Okay, we are live. And, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is episode number 19. I mean, number so, number, not number 19, I mean, episode number 11 of the J Money Talks podcast. Of the J Money Talks podcast. It is, I believe it is, it is episode 11, correct? Let me see. Here, episode 11. Yes, here it is. Episode number 11 of the J Money Talks podcast. And it is September the 19th, 2020. And we're back live with J Money Talks podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Jason Johnson, also known as J Money. And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And uh, yeah, it's been a I've been gone for over a week. For and you're only asking like it was just it, where where I've been or wherever I'm like it's okay don't worry y'all I just had to take a little break for myself you know just take a break. Also, last week was of course the start of football season, not just in the college level but also in the pro level as well. Especially University of Louisville had their first game against Western Kentucky University, and uh, and yeah that was. That Saturday, on Saturday night, uh, and also the my Baltimore Ravens once again came back and it looked like goddamn contenders again. Looks like Super Super Bowl contenders. They like it's like they they don't they didn't look like a team look like a team that didn't look like they were rusty. They Usually, most games, like I say, show like usually like a like a lot of people have been saying that some of these guys could have rust on them. Baltimore came out looked saying, "No, sir, not us." <laughs> Pretty much came out and just said, "No, sir, not us," and stomped a stomped a mud hole in Cleveland's ass in the Cleveland Browns' ass, thirty-eight to six. Uh, same thing with uh, University of Louisville. They end up winning their game, I believe, thirty-five to fourteen, and uh, which was uh, after they were after they made a mistake and end up giving the ball to. Uh, but ever giving a losing the lead for just a slight bit for to the uh, no thirty-five to twenty-one. But the biggest thing was. It was on the back of Mikel Cunningham, giving uh, throwing for free, throwing for war free touchdowns, uh, 343 yards and free touchdowns, and uh, ran one in for himself. And uh, yeah, I think it's a big thing. Is they were actually uh, they, but other than that, they ended up scoring. Uh, basically, it was 21 points in the second half. In the second quarter, and alone, which pretty much was helped seal the game for them. Now, uh, this week, tomorrow, well, is it right now, today, they are going to be taking on the Miami Hurricanes, who are now the 17th ranked, who are now 17th ranked, and University of Louisville are both, are actually, is also both, is also 18th ranked, and this is an early season big matchup. This is the first thing that is interesting. This is the first time the Louisville is going for or coming for revenge of after Miami. They uh they pretty much drill the cards in fifty five to twenty seven 
uh, out of Miami. This is a big one. So this one is a big one because a good chunk of them. The Hurricanes are out a little bit. Is going to be where they had a they were out a little bit was the loss of some players to by graduation by graduating. Some going to the NFL and others deciding to opt out because of the including their uh, because of their uh, including their pretty much their uh, the Corona because of Verona. Uh, among them is for Miami. It is their leading rusher in DJ Dallas. Their leading receiver in KJ Osborne. Their leading tackler Shane Shaq Quarterman. Their best cornerback Trajan Bandy and Lear. And their leader in sacks, who is Greg Rousseau, with 15 and a half sacks. Jesus. But the big thing is, they are coming in with a. They are coming in with a quarterback by the electric duo for a quarterback who is for, named Derek Keane, who re, is a graduate transfer from the University of Houston. He is currently has an in, active record of active NCAA record streak of 16 consecutive games with at least one TD pass and one TD run. Their new Miami's coming with a new offensive corner in Rhett Lashley, who is a player who is a coach. Tends not to allow much time for P, for the defense to substitute. So it is a big thing. It's an offense that happens to just go in that once the offense is on the field, you gotta like you better make your switches quick. Because they they pretty much kinda go with like more of a no huddle type of thing, which makes perfect makes more sense. So I can see how that is. It makes perfect sense. Uh basically this one is to show so I think the big thing is was the big uh Ooh. <sighs> user. Sorry, I'm just tired here. As I just it's a little late. So come on, it's one thirty in the morning. So uh and I don't know why I'm talking a little quiet. Uh let me move this up a bit. Let me see if you guys can hear me better now. I think you guys can hear me a bit better now and not as quiet, but, uh, yeah, the big thing is, their, uh, their best rusher is by, is Cameron Harris, and, uh, but also another contributor to the rain game is Derek Keane, and a dynamic freshman in Jalen Knighton and Don Jr. Jr. in their game last week against UAB, uh, UAB, Cameron Harris having 134 yards, average 7.9 yards a carry. Derek Keane with 83 yards, 9 with 59, and Cheney Jr. is 52. So, among those three, they average well over 6 yards a carry. So, it is a big, that's a huge, uh, so they pretty much go, they're pretty much a go on a fast running pace running game. And, uh, which kind of opens up the passing route, which ends up doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So it looks like the key is probably running. So it looks like there is going to be a... There is a big thing about this, and that is the... That's going to be the big thing about this. And it looks like this is going to be the team that is going to be a... Going to be a big thing. It looks like the rushing game is the questionable. Is the question? Is the rushing game being the question for Miami? 
and Louisville is going to be countering it with a great passing game, especially last game against WQ. It's Louisville had four plays with Carter had four plays with more than four yards against WKU, and Mikael Cunningham Jr. quarterback. He's he is completed 19 of 34 passes for 343 yards. He decent in one reception last week against WKU, and among them was the pretty much by their top receiver Tutu Atwell, who is one of the most elusive receivers in the nation. He had a team high 70. Seven catches for 78 yards. Well, his teammates, Des Fitzpatrick and Braden Smith, each had 110 yards in receptions. And taking advantage of the extra attention paid by WKU on Atwell, which of course is a big deal. Last year, Atwell did take, actually did take Miami to Cinnabar Island, burn them for six catches and 142 yards, one of them being an 80-yard bomb. In contrast, Miami does have a who has who does have a strong pass rush. Actually, doesn't have the best cornerback game as as shown. They're kind of relying on their like second string and third string as their top cornerback decided to you know opt out because of Corona. So it is a big thing that could open up the Louisville passing game. This may be a case that Louisville could have a good chance of getting back into this game. Now they. Hurricanes is returning, has an All-American tight end by the name of Brevin Jordan, who actually missed last season's game against the Cards in Miami due to injury. Now he is healthy, so this might make a difference. This one is a big, uh, this one is the big game. This is the, this is like the kind of a game of the week. Right now, they're actually going to have, they actually have Louisville at, uh, it's in Louisville, it's in Cardinal Stadium. They're kind of, this one's on ABC 7.30 night. Uh, their college game day is here at Louisville. Unfortunately, they're not having fans because one of the big things that is concerning about this whole thing is, well, not just because of the virus, it's also because they believe of, because of the whole Breonna Taylor thing, it might cause a little stir, and I'm like, I kind of go bull, I kind of go bullshit on it. I mean, personally, to me, I mean, I can understand that, but come on, you you know it's you know it's kind of bullshit. You you know it. People know it is. But uh, the big thing is that is the big thing for football. I think Louisville could win this one. They are actually the two and a half point favorites. I think it is going to be a win for Louisville. But I think it's probably going to be by a field goal or a touchdown. It's going to be a one score game, one possession game. It's not going to be a close, it's not going to be a blowout in case I think both teams have a, are capable of carrying each other, and uh, I think it's going to be a win, I think it's going to be a win for the Cardinals. They could win that, walk out with a top, with a top 25 win on their belts, which actually helps them out, and that gives us one step closer to like maybe going up against Clemson in the ACC, ACC title, and my get some eyes on when we play, when we get the playoffs. If if Louisville make as well enough, they could and maybe beat Clemson in the ACC title game. They could actually make some noise and make some playoffs. They could make playoffs. Who knows? Yeah. The next big thing is, I'm like, I know a lot of you are asking, like, why am I talking about a lot of this stuff? Like, sports and stuff. 
This isn't a sports podcast by any means, but there is something I kind of want to talk about some sports because I'm going to start some of uh, sports. Came out this week. Also, football, NFL football. The next thing is, instead of, now let's move on to college basketball. This is a big one, especially this one's for UVL. UVL is planning to do a non conference bubble between November the 25th and December the 5th. It is pretty much, the, according to Chris Mack's tweet, the Louisville Cardinals are looking for 8 to 12 teams to play, 3 to 5 games during that time span. Teams would stay for free at a local hotel. Sources, according to the local sources that told ESPN, and while testing costs will be split evenly among the teams participating, the expectation is the field is being to be filled with, filled with, mostly local teams that can bust to Louisville. Uh, that's what the Zoom call is. Bellarmine is one of the potential schools, which makes sense. The next other schools within driving distance: Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky. Miami of Ohio, Ohio University, and Cincinnati on others. Which I say is a big thing because one of the things is that the NCAA's Division One Council announced this Wednesday that the season start date for college basketball will be delayed until November 25th, while the men's and women's committees recommended that each school play at least four non-conference games. They, the Big Sky, West Coast Conference, Western Athletic Conference, the Big West and the Mountain West are all having conversations in recent weeks uh, forming a non-conference men's bubble in uh, in Vegas, which is actually a good move. Now, I say that this is a thing that might be a thing that's going to happen. There is a lot of teams are trying to have their own. Like, I think this is probably what is what is going to happen because a lot of because a lot of schools might do bubbles. Like their own like in-state bubbles, which actually in-state bubbles are like their own or like small regional bubbles, which I kind of like non-conference ways. It makes perfect sense. And then I think eventually they'll do something for conference play. I don't know how it's going to be. Non-conference wise, it makes sense. Plus, it kind of gives a good chance. I like this because you can actually do a lot of good stuff with a lot of this stuff. Actually is a good benefit to it because... It gives more potential to us because a lot of schools, uh, Bellman University is a private university who, which is here in Louisville. It's in, uh, it's actually right around, uh, let's see, because uh, I live like three, I like, I say about five, I live actually like 10, 15 minutes away from it. It's a nice uh, small private university. They just, uh, the basketball program just got into Division One. They're competing in the Atlantic Sun Conference. That is a good chance of them getting, like, their first chance of, like, true exposure this year, which helps them out because it then, because they'll be playing against Eastern, Western, and a bunch of other schools. That helps out a lot for Bellarmine. I know for Eastern, it helps out a bunch. I think Western supports it a lot. Because of Conference USA, they also get to play against topper, like, good elite teams. Cincinnati being in this is, could bring back some rivalries. I don't know if... Because I don't think... Is Mick Cronin still with Cincinnati, actually? Let me see. Is Mick Cronin actually still with Cincinnati, by chance? If Mick Cronin is still there, that may is... That kind of helps a little bit with, uh... Yeah, let me see. 
Oh yeah, he went to since I forgot he he's in UCLA now. So who's the since who's the coach for Cincinnati? Okay, let me see. Cincinnati about John Brandon. Oh, okay. So I'm like, so I guess that's like I guess they just I don't know they replaced him. Who? Oh, he was the guy for the, for NTU. It makes sense now. I was like wondering, like, who did they replace? Like, who replaced him? My apologies, though. I wanted to make sure I knew who replaced who because I was like, but I remember, but I remember this guy. He did help with. Uh, he did play a role with uh, Northern Kentucky. John Brennan, who is actually a. I think there's gonna be. I think it helps out a lot. I'm. I guess Kentucky will probably do their own thing with like some teams, but I feel like they're going to find a. I think they're probably going to do something where Louisville, Kentucky are going to have their own thing. Louisville, Kentucky is going to have their own game. I think there's going to be do something because I think they got. I mean, if even if they don't play this year, which is I find surprising, they wouldn't because they're probably going to play before conference season. And if they're gonna have it, I say this: have it in the bubble, have something in the bubble, like for your five, three to five games. To have have Kentucky in that bubble. I think Kentucky can be in that bubble, uh, or because I think um, who who hosted last year? I think it was, I think the U of L UK game was in Lexington, I believe. This year, I'm not. Sh- last year was in Lexington, actually. Um, I know I should have all my facts in here, but I'm like, you of L versus UK, UK, uh, it was in, it wasn't Rupp Arena, so this year it will be, so, yeah, this year it will be in, uh... So, yeah, this year it's gonna be... I think this year it will be in, like, in Louisville. And I think they would probably do something there. I think I say they're gonna have, like, the three or four game bubble. And then Louisville will probably set up something for Kentucky. And then Louisville has something for Kentucky. And I think the that's gonna be a thing there. I think... Louisville's going to have their bubble with some of their teams. I think Kentucky's going to have a bubble with some of their teams. If some teams over there getting, they're inviting over. And then, then I guess Louisville, too. And then I think before both of them start their conference, conferences, whenever, they'll probably have their game at Louisville like normal and everything will be like normal. My question is, will there be fans? I kind of doubt there'll be fans. And if they do, it could. If they do, they're probably going to be very limited. And I think you probably have to wear your mask or something. And I think you have to be very limited. You would probably have to wear your mask the entire time. And I'm like, it's a thing. And I think if they do it, I think they're going to find a way of like streaming some of these games, these bu- this bubble games. Like they'll probably have something like something set up with like U of L. Louisville's going to have someone with, like, the local stations, like WLKY or WDRB or someone. 
to do like the Rock has these games, which I think it should be a thing, or something with ESPN. ESPN, you're probably gonna be on ESPN or probably on ESPN Plus or some weirdness, weird shit. Which I'm, I'm not worried about it that much. I'm like, but if college basketball is coming back, I'm up for whatever they got planned for. It's something I need. I think it needs to be done. I'm excited for it. I want it to happen. And let's just get that. Let's get the college basketball going. So, let's go on to... I guess we should talk about NBA real quick before we go into this. So, both conference finals are set now. We're now into the point of conference finals. We have now the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. Miami taking taking care of the of the number one seed in the East. The Bucks, the B- who was my pick to win the East, not swept, got a rhythm in five. Could have gotten a rhythm in four, but the Bucks found found a way of winning game four just to avoid the sweep. And uh, Celtics win won their series, I believe, four to two over the Toronto Raptors. So this season, there's going to be a new NBA champion crown guaranteed, crowned guaranteed, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, and that's the uh, Miami Heat. They're up right now as we speak. The Miami Heat are up two games to nothing on them. The Miami Heat, uh, Miami Heat are right now ten and one, are ten one in the pre in the postseason this year. And it is this is a Heat team that is being that is very tough. It is a dominant team on the back of like Jimmy Butler. On the back of Jimmy Butler, and and this is a team that's got some got gut. It's a gutsy team, and they are great. And uh, Jimmy Butler is a great facilitator. Facilitator, a you got Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero too. Goran Dragic, who's been known to shoot great, great shooting outside. Um, Tyler Hero. the young man who pretty much ooze was a one a player who wasn't good enough for Kentucky and ends up being like the best one of the best players for Kentucky like the past two years and becomes this crazy young man who's like taking over who takes over took over and then you had like Jay Crowder is on the team and like a f- with Jay Crowder and like a few others. Bam Adebayo, who's practically a great uh, force on the defensive side, in the paint, especially in the paint. The kid is like tough, and uh, my thing is, they his team is might be the team to make the finals, and I think they might have a chance of winning this because I think they could win it in six over the Lakers. Lakers actually are now in the Western Conference Finals. They are now facing not the Clippers but the Denver Nuggets. But the Denver Nuggets now, yes, the Denver Nuggets end up sh- end up shocking the shocking the world and comp- and end up reverse end up coming back from a free one deficit and defeated the Clippers in seven games. Well, especially in making two great comebacks in games five and six, having been down by like nineteen points at least. And coming back in both those games, and then in Game Seven, they pretty much just 
broke the Clippers' will. Will and and this is all I can say about that about that choke job from the Clippers. You any Clippers fans out there, you guys are probably just you guys are just the cap the Washington Capitals of the NBA. You guys can never get past the second round. It is you're just stuck being the Lakers bitch forever. I'm sorry. It's either that or Donald Sterling has this curse over you. At this point, you guys just need to take the team, move to L.A. or move out of L.A. to, like, somewhere else. Like, Seattle or something. I'm like, at this point, you guys just cannot win a game. I feel win a series in a second round. of a Can't make conference finals appearance for your lives. And I feel, and I feel bad for you. I, I, I don't, I have a lot of pity for you guys. Just, may God have mercy on your guys' souls. May God have mercy on your guys' souls. Because, a lot harsh loss. Anyways, the MVP now ended up being Giannis. Just uh, earlier today. He ended up getting out of the 101 votes, first place votes. He got 85 of them. LeBron came in second. He got 16, the other 16, which LeBron kind of took it like, okay, that's pissed me off. And he, let's just say this, like, pretty much LeBron, I think in a way, just said, all right, cool. He can have the MB- uh, Giannis can have the MVP. He can have back-to-back MVP trophies. But I'm gonna go ahead and get. I'm gonna go ahead and get this trophy. I'm getting this ring. So, so let's just say this. That's what I'm thinking. Mentality is because game one of Western Conference Finals ended up being a blowout for the for the Lakers, who pretty much came out, who ended up getting great rest, ended up being the who actually beat the Rockets in like in five. So they had like a little bit more rest time, and I think they actually took. They went into this game with purpose and intent to, like, to beat this team. And I am... Do I feel any bad for the... Do I feel bad for the, um... Do I think Nuggets have a chance? I don't think so. I say... I think they could win... The Lakers are going to win, i say, five... And five, I don't believe they would sweep. I don't think they're going to sweep the Nuggets, but I think in five is probably the call. I think in five is the call. Lakers in five. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I think in five is going to be the case. So. I think where we go, I think we kind of cover almost everything. One thing we missed was probably NFL stuff. Which, I'm actually going to talk more in depth about it in just a minute. Uh, we'll be right back, guys. I just need to take a little something to help wake me up. You guys are watching episode number 11 of the J Money Talks podcast. Don't go anywhere, folks. Alright. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode, with episode number 11 of the J Money Talks podcast. Before we get into... 
some of uh, before we get to like say some football, I gotta mention something that's been going on, and this is like when I was this is during like when I was in my like well in my free time. I end up getting I this is something that's been it appears to be fresh on my mind. Like we are many I'm talking fresh on my mind. And it looks like this is a I don't know if this is a real post or whatever. And I'm thinking this has gotta be some prank or some kind of setup or something because I so this is what happened I ended up getting this like so I'm chilling on answer I'm chilling at on social media I'm chilling in my bed you know I'm chilling in my bed I'm just going for my phone going for social media watching my going for all my social medias watching YouTube videos like doing my just chilling waiting to like before I go to sleep, you know, try to pass out, go to sleep, pass out, go to sleep, and right as I get this, I get this text from this, like, one, from this one account, account, which is, like, I believe this is, like, the account in question, like, I think the name is Calvin underscore Abrams... Abram, like, 42, I believe. And, uh... And this account, like, you know... In this account here, pretty much, like, a couple of my photos and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not thinking of it. I'm like, okay, just someone who likes my photos. Okay, cool. Alright, cool. And I'm like... I'm just like, okay, I got a couple likes and stuff on this here. I'm like, it's not even major. Nothing crazy, right? You know, nothing too crazy, right? And nothing too crazy. I'm not sure. It's not there anymore. It's, it's like, it went ghost. Like, the thing, like, disappeared like a ghost. The account right now, as we know it, is gone. Like, it's no longer around it followed the account followed me i get a tech i get a dm from this girl yeah i get a direct message from the you know the chat in question so i go through so i'm going through this whole rig this so i'm so i send a few messages i'm like she introduced herself like Oh, hello, I'm Nancy, and, like, I'm Nancy, and, you know, I'm, she introduced herself, I'm like, hello, I'm like, so I say hello, and I'm like, she ends up seeing the photo, like, herself, and it's like, okay, she's like, okay, she seems like a nice girl, you know, I'm like, I'm like, as she has, a, she, I could have her number, I'm like, she could have my phone number, and she was like, text, like a text on my phone, and I'm like, I mean, I don't really give anybody my number, especially if I just text you, like, nine or five minutes, so it's really weird, she sends my, she sends her number first, so I was like, well, 
okay, you have a different zip code. And I'm like, alright, cool. I'll, I guess I'll text you on there. So, she, so I send my, I said send my text. So I send to send her a text. So she texts me on my, we started doing actual text messages. She asked how I was doing. She, we just talked like I'll see like a common questions, and usually I, uh, and I don't give people my phone number. I told her I didn't give my phone number on a whim because I usually deal with like some stalkers and shit and stalkers and some other shit like and so I told her I'll work out I do I do this podcast here you know, I'll play some video games in my spare time you know not often but I'll play some video games if I'm if I feel if I have some free time on my hands and then I asked her like she's and she's so her name's Nancy she's 20 and I'm like okay cool she's like from Florida she's like swim she likes sports activities like working out and doing stuff Regular normal stuff. I'm like, alright, cool, cool. I'm like, so I told her, like, she asked how old I was, and I was like, oh, I'm 23, I'm about to be 24 in November. And I'm like, oh, mine's, mine's actually November 2, hers on the 8th, and I was like, oh, okay, mine's on November 6th. Very close, so, then, uh, then what's crazy is she asked for my mobile, what my mobile carrier was. And I said, well, that's an interesting question. I've never really asked. I never I never really asked, like, had someone asked what my mobile care was before. Doesn't that sound weird? And I was, so I was like, I'm just going to switch it up to, like, oh, what's your favorite foods? And uh, she said, uh, oh, she likes hamburgers. And I'm like, and then it started going, uh, little crazy. She says, like, I really want us to be together. And I'm like, I know we just met, but to be in a relationship is not about when you met. It's it's about trust and love. And I'm like, that, so I'm like, I play along with it. I'm like, that sounds like a move. I mean, that's a weird, bold, a bold move, honestly. I was like, well, I'm right now where I'm moving to my own apartment, honestly. And I'm like, that's just a little birthday present to me. A little birthday present for me. Hope to move around my birthday, which is actually that part is actually true. I actually was planning on moving around my birthday, planning on some things, but if nothing like that, if I don't get this one thing deal with my state, which is probably done, that's another story for another time. She's like, oh, I really wish you I could get another phone. And I asked her, do you go to school? Do you go to school? And I'm like. Luckily, my uncle says he's going to send me a gift. She said, he said I should get a friend that uses T-Mobile. I'm like, yeah, I found you. Me, I kind of like, well, T-Mobile does have a good deal with a mobile plan that has unlimited talk day and tax costs like 45 bucks a month, which is actually true, which is kind of what I got. But I need your help for this to get it done. And I was going to move it. I was like... What is that? Then this chick was asking for the username and the password of my like T-Mobile logins, and it looks like that is some wild chick. So I was like, 
that's yeah, this is yeah, this is getting like clearly suspect. That was where how suspect this shit got. Was this? I thought suspect this shit got. I was like, this chick wants me to give her my like, logins to to like my mobile carrier. Let me say this. Number one, I don't know where it is because. I do like auto pay and like paperless billing, but my sister has that shit on lock. So even if I did have it, why would I give it up? <laughs> That's stupid. Like it's stupid. Like use your common sense, lady. She did try to come at me, texting me on a. Uh, she did later on try texting me on my in on the uh, Instagram direct trying to get me back on. I don't have rest on here on my phone because I don't have everything. But we just talked more and more and more and then at least try at least ignore it. Thinking she did ignore it and I'm like, well, there's gotta be a point like I don't believe if this chick was real or not. I don't know if this chick is real or or a bot or not. So I was like if you are real, let's, well, how about make a phone call to me, you make a phone call, or we can do like a video call thing on this phone, phone, and I think she just tried, this thing tried to make, I think she or he or whoever this is, was trying to make excuses or whatnot, was trying to make excuses for whatnot, and then it's like, she ends up saying some we are talking some more, and this chick decides to try to get me on Hangouts, which is, which is like the social media for Google, like Hangouts, like text, where you text, talk, text, video chat, and all that stuff. She wanted me to, to go on there, and I'm like, I don't really have it because I probably deleted it for because it's a pointless app and. I don't need, really see the reason to use it. So I decided at least I said it up for me. Just for me. From my personal email. And uh. Yeah. It's. This one like. So this happened. And then all of a sudden. I'm like. She ends up talking to me. And was planning on sending this check. To me. On behalf of her uncle. This is where it gets. This is how I I stopped right there. Because I was like. Yeah. I am. I don't trust this. <laughs> Plus. I have. Here's the thing. And this is to any advice. To anybody who gets this, this. If you get. If a girl asks. Can she send a check to you? That is a scam off. This is a scam. Or some type of bank scam or bank fraud or some type of way where she is trying to she is trying to get either the military or the police or someone on your ass. Don't do it. I got caught in a trick like that via email and via text message earlier like years a few years ago. Someone tried catching me on that. I had a check sent to me. Random check sent to me. Sent to me. Sent 
to my address trying to get me to trying to get me and it was a situation I had some friends DM me like telling me like yo back out of that shit and get that check out of there ASAP that is a trick don't fall for it do not fall for this genjutsu so I knew this is somewhat some spec I tried talking to her uncle which I think is probably her on another on this chick having an account of her uncle and trying to at least get this check or whatever I she, this guy the dude wanted probably my wanted to try getting my like my mobile my banking mobile banking account which uh password and mobile account number password and all that shit and I was like yeah no fuck that I'm out I'm fucking I'm out I, I told him listen no not happening I'm deleting this app you guys I'm not to touching any of this at all you can you can and whatever so I'm gonna get, so I recently got a recent follow so I ended up getting this recent follow like Fast forward one week later, dude. Now we're getting the same shit right now with this one guy on this phone right now by this general by the name of Jason Robinson. If Jason Robinson has, it was this like I guess is an army general by chance. And this is what I get. So this guy reacted to my story around nine thirty. I ended up doing a little thing on my Instagram story. Uh, so I. So I got the Wendy's Spicy Nuggets and uh, McDonald's Spicy Nuggets. See which one was better. Actually, it is actually Wendy's. It's actually Wendy's. Which is actually Wendy's. So I ended up getting this. react. So this guy reacted to my, my story. I was doing like the comparison, and just like forty minutes ago, this guy sends messages. Almost an hour ago, sends this message to me. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Jared Robinson, and this guy makes this whole huge ass thing, which sounds like crazy suspect. Good day, Jason Johnson. This mail is from the Federal Bureau of Investigation under the Act 1972, and then this is a code of something like it sounds like a bylaw of some kind it is report by nancy troop was made against you of money that was mailed to your address with the amount of four thousand nine hundred fifty dollars and we have got a report of you trying to defraud miss nancy troop we're sending this to you as an act of warning to you we've got all your information with us your home address full name zip code phone number so in the morning you will receive check it make sure you deposit it into your account for she was crying to us that her uncle sent it to you. Is that true? Let's see. And this guy tries to send a do send a video chat to me and then he tries to answer me if this is true, and I'm like Listen. If I do alright, so I have this message right now. Am I going to sit back onto it? No. But I will say this. Yes, this is true. 
but I have not received his check yet. Well, first of all, I have not received his check yet. And yes, maybe she does have all my information. But I am not, if I do receive his check, I'm not depositing it into the account. I'm not going to touch the check. I'm not going to deposit it in my account. I'm going to leave that. I'm playing on sending that is immediately back to you. If this is all you need, I'm not going, I'm not touching this account. So yes, I am going to say that if this is, listen, there's part of me that believes this chick is fake, was woman was fake. I thought she was leading me on to some type of bank fraud scam, and I did not want to play a role in this. If this is really, if this is someone who, if you are of military, sir, I might, I'm do, and I kindly apologize. I did not expect this is a real woman who was actually sending me a real check. A real, this, is a, this girl was actually a 20 year old woman who really wanted to start a life with me and was probably, you know, wanted to move into an apartment with me and all this stuff. And I'm like, listen, you are 20. The truth was, and the truth is, if your birthday, your birthday, I was playing for that birthday weekend was me pretty much trying to, you know, collapse some cheeks here. <laughs> Let's just be real. I was like, once I had my fun that week, birthday weekend, you belong to the streets, bitch. You're with everybody. That money is your money. I'm not touching none of that shit. And you aren't touching any of my money. So let's just be real. I was just going to buy a room for just the two of us and at the gold house. And let's just say, clap them cheeks and you send you back off to Florida, wherever you fuck you belong in Florida. You belong to the streets. She belonged to the streets. And also, also, she said she was a virgin, which I'm probably questioning a bit. If she really want to lose her virginity, I'm like, listen, I get it, you want to lose your virginity, that's good, but I'm like, come on. You really going to lose your virginity to the first dude you call or text on social media? Really? Really? So, I don't know if this is real. I'm going to respond to it in a minute. Respond to this guy in a minute. Is that, okay, this is the information I know. I believe that this woman, yes, she tried to get me to say this check, and I'm like, and deposit it into my account on her behalf. And when she comes to, came to Louisville here on... November 6th or whatever. She can take it out of her. She can have that money out. And whatever. I. And that was what was going to happen. And me. I. Yes I did say that she would. She could send the check to me. But I did not plan on. I didn't plan on doing this. I know this is a real. This is a real woman. Who was sending an actual check. This is an actual check. It was just a perfect gift from her uncle. I believe all this was some form, in some way, shape, or form, a scam. So, if this is, don't worry. I'm not playing on. I was not playing 
on touching this check whatsoever, I plan on returning it back to sender because this is um this is a fake thing. If you are, if she really does not, she really is going to put me for jail for all of this. I'm like at this point, not cool. I'm pretty much not dealing with it. But if is there, if there is some charges to me, go ahead. But other than that, I'm blocking you. You can do your absolute worst to me. I'm not dealing with that shit. So I'll say this. If I go to jail, after I respond to this guy, tell him everything I've just said to you guys, I want to keep this on the record for you. If you ever get any type of follow, and if they like DM you like hours later, if the account has no profile picture, has zero posts, and there are more people following she is following than she has the number of followers, that account is fake. That is, that is the same thing with Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, every social media has these things. There's some bot or some scammer or some hacker trying to get either your money or your personal accounts, whatever. Find some way to ruin your life some way, shape, or form. Don't trust every account. Check. And if if they are real, if they're trying to get a relationship with you or whatever it is, make sure you actually call account this. So they actually sent another thing to me here. So it says here we be taking we we be with it. This man hardly spelled this right. So it says we be taking strict account towards you if you fail to heed our warning, and if you fail to do so, you we will be taking charges into our own our hands for now. We'll only like you to get Miss Short Nancy Troop our check, which was mailed to your house address. If not, we are going to have you tracked down, charged on arrest for fraud, and unlike forty forty three. Seven MPL principal purposes. Miss Andrew must be refunded back the money back to her account to or money order Western Union Medicare. up or deposit into your account with to him within a range of twenty four hours. Name Miss Andrew True failure to abide or obey will lead to arrest and court and charge to the court for online fraud. Fraud. I don't know whatever this is, and I'm probably going to go ahead. I'm going to answer this guy in a second. Like, listen. I'm going to answer this account real quick. At this point, I'm just like, listen. I don't know if this is really a shakedown of some kind or some some dude's account. Some This is the same account that talked to me last week. And this is like an account. Like, an account alias of an account. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know if any of this is actually a real law. If I get a check in the mail tonight, in this mor this morning, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna throw it away. That check is fake as hell. I'm gonna find a way to get rid of it. If I get arrested for fraud or some shit, I want you to know this is this is all on the record. I not know I don't know if this is a real woman or not. 
this is bullshit. There needs to be something done with like the old Instagram, Snapchat, like these bots and shit. These bots, these hackers, these scammers, or whoever need to be controlled and stopped soon. Point soon. If anyone has been through something like this before, you guys know how I feel about it, and this is a thing. And I'm like, I don't know what else to say. I'm going to leave the floor to you guys. I'm done with this. I'm a, I'm out. I'm going to see you guys. Uh, well, I'm not out. But I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take care of this fucking guy here. And I'll be right back. We'll be right back. This is episode 11 of the J Money Talks podcast. Don't go anywhere, folks. Alright, we're back, guys. So, I had to take care of this fucking troll or whatever the fuck this is. Anyways, this is... This is these, I usually get stuff like this like once every week, two weeks or so. And it's always like... There's always some random... Bot... Wrote, random bot or random chick that's trying to get me to do be on some campsite or some dating off brand tinder which basically you have to pay like some extraordinary amount to even talk to the girls or whatever the fuck and all this bullshit and I'm like listen I have no issues with sluts I don't have any issues of you being a sex worker or a goddamn a sex worker online if you, you're out either sucking dick for money or you're sucking dick on OnlyFans or you're doing it on a webcam site or whatever the fuck you do. I don't mind it at all. I don't, hate, I don't like sluts, but I appreciate the sluts that are honest about it. The I like is honesty. If you are a thought, just be honest. Be honest that you are a thought. You know that you're a thought. Just be honest with it. If you like to take, like, want to go ahead and take the bandages off, go ahead. I don't give a fuck. I mean, I don't give a fuck. Do you, you see me as a bank account? To me, I see you as a human condom. Once I'm done, I have my fun. I'm off to, I am, you belong to the streets. <laughs> That's all I see as you. You belong to the streets, bitch. I take it, because right now, I'm full, my nuts will be full of cum. I don't give a fuck whatever you do. I'm, I, you know, I, here's some real shit. Like, you can say whatever you want, ladies, to me. I'll just go along with it. I'll just go along with it. You could say some weird, wild shit. Like, you know, we need to blow up Alaska. And I'm like, I'm like, we need to blow up Alaska or some shit. And I'm like, I'll just agree with you. I'll just be like, hey, so now I'm Alaska gotta go. You know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, Alaska gotta go. And I'm gonna go away and give you a W. I'm gonna get that nut off. And then once I get that nut off, I'll go back in. I will go ahead and argue with you. I'm like, all right, you know what? Seriously, like, five minutes after that, I'm like, alright, about Alaska, bitch, let me tell you something, bitch. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Like, that's... As we... No one gives a fuck. But that's the thing. I'm just like, that's what's tiring to me. I keep all these accounts either on Twitter, 
or Facebook or Instagram. I've gotten some of this shit on Snapchat and all this other stuff. And some of this stuff is from Twi from Tinder, and it's just like a bunch of accounts that are fake, bots, spam, and all this shit. And it's just like, listen, I don't mind if you are a thought. Just be honest that you're a thought. Be transparent about it. Be a little bit more transparent. Because if you, because then it's like, okay, you see me as someone, because I'm a, yes, I am someone who is into, because don't get me wrong, I'm into some weird, I am a, let's say I'm a guy who is, in kind of has that like, Fifty Shades of Grey in me. I like us to say I kind of have a bit of a Christian Grey in me. Not into like the bondage shit, but like the dominant stuff, like me being like in control type shit. So let's just say that. Like, let's just say this, I will, you get a full satisfaction from me, but once I, but, uh, but I lead the way, like, I control this shit, I take charge, okay, um, and let's just say I kind of go hard in the paint, if you know what I mean, let's just say that, your boy goes hard in the paint, when it comes to, you know, paint, laying down, laying down with his hoe, so, all I'm saying is this, just, just if you're about that life, just be honest about it. It just be honest about it. Don't say something like you want to be just casual, make something casual. In reality, is you pretty much a cam girl, and it's like the only way we could like you know hook up or go on a date or something. If I gotta sign up to your shit, fuck out of here. You belong to the streets. I'm gonna find someone who is at least honest about it, like. I don't mind you do it. Do your business. Like, I'm ushering this bitch. I don't. Surely I don't. Mind. If you dance on a pole, that'll make you a hoe. Surely I don't. Mind. If you work until free, it's on you leaving with me. I don't give a fuck. I really don't give a fuck. So. But just be real about it. That's all I'm going to say. Alright, that's my little rant there. Done. Let's go into the NFL. So, week one is in the books. A lot of stuff we pretty much established. We got, well, let's see. The Ravens started the season off on the right foot. They took on my, they uh, whooped the Browns candy ass all across the field. 38-6. Lamar pretty much did what he did last year against the Dolphins. This time, he just pretty much did it like normal. Because games, like the Seahawks looking like going, coming into four. Take a left Falcons at home. We got the Chiefs, who end up doing a little bit, pretty much uh, going on. Beating the Chiefs, beating the Texans. Texans, realizing they uh, may regret, they regret letting go of new cop trainway new Hopkins. and how did the uh, how did the uh how did the Cardinals handle that they accepted that New Hopkins respond to the trade. He put he went off. He ends up going like he gets fourteen receptions, one hundred and fifty one yards, and helped the Cardinals lead led the Cardinals to a touch to a game to a win over the San Francisco 49ers. Over the San Francisco 49ers. 
who was the NFC champions, which is a big surprise. The Rams opened SoFi Field with a W over the Cowboys. There was some controversy about the entire... There's controversy about the offensive pass interference call. It is a ticky tack thing, but let's be real. They got to call it. It's hard to, you know, they had to call it. I'm not. So, once again, Cowboys. The Joe Burrow's debut ends up not, ends up with, a, with an L, but he ended up having a great, but he ended up taking his team down the field in the fourth quarter. Had a chance to at least get his team in the game. And unfortunately, the Chargers end up walking out with a double because Randy Bullock, the kicker for the Bengals, missed an easy field goal. Tripped out field goal to tie the game and send the game to overtime. It didn't happen. We got the return of Big Ben in, and the Pittsburgh Steelers end up winning over the New York Giants in a great way with the defense. Return of defense. The Benny Snell, actually, Benny Snell, who was a former. Kentucky running back end up getting 19 carries, 113 yards. 13 yards. Defense stifling practically the stifling Saquon Barkley. Your Giants rushing attack, and they end up coming out with a W. The big one is the Bears coming back to beat, coming back to beat the Lions after being down 23 to six, 23 to six. Scoring like 21 unanswered points. 21 unanswered points. Cam Newton's debut for the Patriots. Ended up going well. Beating the Dolphins 21-11. to And ended up looking like he wasn't bad. Ryan Fitzpatrick shows that he is practically absolute garbage. So, uh, he is clearly should be a quarterback. It, it's probably going to be a week or two until until uh, he gets replaced by Tua. So, let's just say this. I'll just say that. The debut of Tom Brady and the, the new-look Tampa Bay Buccaneers ends up being a sort of a failure because Brady threw two picks. Two picks. And the Saints end up looking like a real team. That knew what the fuck they were doing. And what they were doing. And it was not very, looked very good for you. Some people say that there's a little thing going on. Anyway, the Washington football team ended up being, ended up getting eight sacks. Having a determined team with getting eight sacks. And a rally to win, win a seven Ended up taking a reversing a 17 point deficit over the Philadelphia Eagles in not only in the first game of the season but also the debut for Ron Rivera who is going through who is currently going through uh, currently going through a battle with cancer himself which I hope I'm trying to say this kick that out kick cancer's ass my friend kick cancer's ass Ron we we want you. We want you to come back here. Get back here. And so, what is... So, there's a big thing is that now there's actually eight different... Now there's actually just... Uh, there's no... Uh, big one is Jaguars. Look, 
people thought they were actually going Oof. But our, I'm sorry. It's lit. Like, again, I'm recording this, like, it's free in the morning, and I'm recording this. Once again, the return of Minshew Mania. Cardinal Minshew looked like an actual quarterback, and opened the season by being the Indianapolis Colts in their debut for Phillip Rivers. And, which is a surprising, because it looked like a team that was probably going to give up on the season and just tank and go into the mind of tanking, which was kind of the plan here. Which was actually kind of the plan here. Kind of a plan there in for Jacksonville, but instead he ended up having they end up actually having a bunch of young guys to replace the people they lost in Landon Fournette, Yannick Ngagwe, and Ronnie Harrison. Harrison, an undrafted rookie running back by the name of James Robinson, ended up getting Accounted for 90 yards total, 62 were on the ground. He also hurt. He even got a first round pick, and CJ Henderson ended up getting a pick. Gave Kalavon Chison ended up getting a 9 over 1, which got negated by a penalty, sadly. And the second round selection by a name of. Sh- I gotta figure out what some of these names are. Because some of these are brand new. These are. Brand new players. Yeah, these are like some new players that just joined this team. So it looks like so, and looks like that the whole. So yeah, it looks like that right now. This is possibility that there's some that right now. This is a it's a big thing. The Eagles losing the. To Washington, Cowboys losing to Rams, and so if we look at it, this is Week One. What does this stack up right now? Buffalo and New England are the two leaders in the AFC East, one and zero. Jets and Dolphins are zero and one. Ravens are the team two. They are the team. Ravens and Steelers are the head right now. Are head right now with Cleveland behind them, and. Cincinnati, the last. I'm going to get to the round of Bengals game here. Uh, Still, AFC South. The Jacksonville Jaguars are now the our lead division with the Tennessee Titans at 1-0. As any in Houston are pretty much seen with an, with an L. In the AFC West, it's now a freeway battle between the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. And this is a big one, which who ended up beating the Carolina Panthers 34-30 in the debut of Matt, head coach Matt Rule, which was a unique back and forth between the two games, between the two teams. teams. In the NFC, in the NFC East, you now have Washington, the lone leader at 1-0, with Dallas, Philly, and New York holding an L, Chicago and Green. Bay are both the leaders of the AFC North. AFC North, the one, the lone division leader in the NFC South is the Saints. And it's now a free battle in the West with the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams now. San Francisco is the team behind. This is an interesting so far. It's interesting. So far, kind of interesting. 
Now, let's go. Now, week two just started this Thursday as the Browns have something to prove prove in front of everybody after practically getting the literal ass whipping. Getting their asses whipped by the Ravens in Baltimore, mind you. Baker Mayfield had to prove that he is the quarterback of the future for the Browns and prove like, hey, I can be in this league just like everyone else. And and Baker Mayfield finally found Odell Beckham Jr., which is the guy that he should be trying to get the ball to. And probably a little that old swagger he had in back in back in Sooner Country. Well, he found it and with Mayfield throwing two touchdown passes. Nick Chubb actually ran for two scores in for two touchdowns in 124 yards. And the first and it gave Kevin Stefanski their first NFL victory for tonight, beating the beating the Cincinnati Bengals, which was also the NFL's one hundredth birthday. Birthday. So he ended up actually getting Mayfield ended up connecting with uh Odo OBJ on a 43-yard scoring pass in the first half. The Browns practically just uh, found a way of getting back into this. Things actually went much better with this offense because the Bengal against the Bengals because they're because uh, let's be honest here their defense is trash. Mm. But the Bengals and Joe Burrow, who and their number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, ended up looking poised, showed incredible poise in that second game. Throwing for free, 37 out of 61 for, I believe, 300. What is it? 316 yards. He did get a. And he did do any score free touchdowns in this game. The first best was a nine-yard pass to uh, Tyler Boyle, 43 seconds left, and had the Bengals within the five points, which is what it was with the score, 35-30. Uh, but the Browns recovered, the, of course, the onside kick, which is probably the worst onside kick I can ever say. This is the onside kick rule. Why couldn't you guys try that? 35-yard thing they did with the XFL. Why couldn't you make it work? It's just... It trashed me. Mayfield, he ended up getting... Mayfield, he actually got... He ended up getting... Uh, he ended up clean 16 off 23 for 219 yards. He did get one through one pick, but he ended up spraying this ball to eight different receivers. The Browns also ended up going with 215 yards rushing with both... Dick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He ended up both teams end up complimenting each other, pushing each other. According to Fansky, they're working ways to get those guys to run the ball. I say that the first half was not very good for Burrow in the beginning. Uh, he was sacked three times. Uh, one time he tried to do a spin move and Sean rushes in just told him, "Sit your ass down, boy!" <laughs> like a little boy, like. And and there was one moment where he tried to call a timeout and had the ball snap past him, but luckily enough he tried to. But I think they he recovered it, but it was like third. I think it was either second or third down. It pretty much derailed everything. 
for him. And uh, but uh, he, but this guy, I'm going with Baker Mayfield, pass or pass. And it looks like the can show the Bengals, hey, I'm your quarterback. I'm gonna be able to turn this around. Mike Brown, if you, I don't know if you you weren't at the game yourself because he was. Because if anyone doesn't know, Bake the the owner, uh, Mike Brown, was not able to attend this game because of COVID. He pretty much watched this game at home, probably. But I think it just showed, like, hey, Mike Brown, you better invest. You see this offensive line, better invest in this in the next draft. And you guys probably need to invest in on defensive line and probably some cornerbacks and safety. And then if Green is gone, maybe a new receiver, a new target for for uh, Mr. Uh, Burrow. So, that's a big thing. It is the thing. He ended up saying Burrow said after the game that losing isn't very fun. This might be the only time he's lost two games in a row, which is true. It doesn't feel very good. It's just for me. I agree this. I say this to uh, the only thing I say is to um, I say the only thing I could say about this is I'll say this, bro. I'll say this. Uh, I watched the highlights of the games. And I say this that the Browns kind of does have a room based offense. I think if so if Makefield realizes that this is okay, this is a rhythm based offense. Like it's like use the running game to open up the passing game, and I try to spread the ball out. Just if just look at every possible option you got. Like okay, I got because you got pretty much OBJ, you got Jarvis Landry, you have David Njoku, you have Austin, you just acquired Austin Hooper from a trade with the. Falcons, for Christ's sakes, and a few other p- options. You have a few options in Nick Chubb. You got an option in Nick uh, Kareem Hunt, who is a great running back. You could, you have various options. Like, look around, look at each possible option if you can throw it. If you can't, maybe move around. And if you something's going to work, either you can run it yourself or be just chuck the ball, just throw it away, just go to the next play. That's all you have to do. But instead, the dude's like really committed on trying to force it to one player. And I think it's something that he's got to realize. Like, dude, you're not going to make, you're not going to get the touchdown. You're not going to get the first down every time, every play. Like, you got to like take some time on this. Cut your losses. Some cases, cut your losses. Some cases, some cases got your losses. Some cases, just run it out. Run it, run it yourself. If you got the room, or you got the room, and you're capable of doing it. But that's beside the point. Uh, but Browns, I think they're they got something there. They could do something. I just think they got a need. Hopefully, Haslam keeps his hands off of this and lets the coach and GM do their thing. I think they could make something. But, who knows. The Bengals on your end, I say this. This is, you got, the Bengals fans, you actually got a quarterback who actually does care. 
And this guy is practically here saying like, hey, we have dealt with losing too much. Losing is uh, not an option for me. I'm coming for a W. And this and this kid pretty much shows like, even as I can have, even if he's having a shit game, the dude keeps coming back and finding ways. Especially like there was like four or five like times he was like fourth in medium. Dude goes into that four, take goes on fourth down, takes the ball, locks in, and just makes these great passes. Poise with with precision. This kid is saying, I do not believe in failure or losing in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to win this game for my team. And I respect the hell out of it. This season, it is. A, do I think you guys chance this season to win some games? Do I think you guys are going to be a contender? No. Given this year... And you're in a division where you're going to be playing against Pittsburgh in the next... You're playing against Baltimore in three weeks. And then I think the next week or two after that, you're playing the Steelers' first game of the season. And it looks like this pass rush and pass rush, the defensive line they got, and the defensive lines they got, the pass rush just looks normal. This is like the return of... uh, Blitzburg, and it looks like the Ravens are playing on eating your quarterbacks for breakfast with Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Matthew Judon. I'm just saying is, hopefully, when Mike, if Mike Brown watches those division games, they work on, they invest in this next draft on offensive line. Mike Brown, I hope you understand that. Invest in offensive line for this young quarterback. If you do that, everything else will fall back in place. And you guys got a chance at an offseason. You guys got a chance at maybe coming back into the division race. And maybe into the playoffs. That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. So. Yeah, this is so far is not bad. I think... I say I've, I hope for the best for this team. Do I actually think there's a chance now that this is a better Bengals team? I believe so. I think they have a good chance of winning this game. Uh, only thing I can say is, like, only thing is, um, like, for now, do I want the Bengals to start winning again? Kind of. Kind of. Because I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Here you are a Bengals fan, pretty much by proximity, basically. And I think it's time the Bengals, after the past few years of getting shit on, need some W's some point in time. And I think, and especially now that you have Lamar Jackson, who played for the University of Louisville, a college that was 100 miles away, now is a, more of a fan base here in Louisville. We love Lamar. It didn't matter where he was going to go. It didn't matter if he was going to the Browns, the Bills, whoever. It, whatever team was, we were all going to stand for him. So, we were all going to stand for him. And, uh, so, yeah. I think that's going to be a good rivalry. I got a reason. I have a reason to talk shit about my Ravens. And I'd be wor- and I'll rock a jersey 
probably my Lamar jersey, but I'll have, I'll also be wearing my hats, and I'll deal with my friends who are who might be Bengals fans, talking they shit. And guess what? It'll be a fun. Those weekends are gonna be fun. I like and stuff like that. It's good. I like. Plus, it makes the makes the games between. Plus, I think the games between Pittsburgh and Thursday would be more interesting. And I think this time around, if you cut the bullshit and focus on the W and not focusing on trying to hurt, trying to murder each other, murder each other, that's good. And also, I think you guys, this thing with Burrow and Mayfield, if the games are like that against the Browns and Bengals, I'm I'm down for it. That's a better. That makes the Battle of Ohio much better. I say this, if people like Donald Trump and Daniel Cameron are, if people like Donald Trump can be president, then maybe Cincinnati can be a good football team. Or if other gods decide to turn, turn, decide to move factory sadness that was in Cleveland to Cincinnati and becomes the least new toilet. Till then, I don't know what else to say. Cincinnati... I wish you guys the best of luck. I leave the ball to your guys' hands. Okay. We'll be right back, guys. I'm going to take a break. We're probably going to do a preview of week two, the rest of week two, the Sunday games and the Monday night game between the Raiders and the Saints. First game in for Vegas. Don't go anywhere, folks. You're listening to episode number 11 of the J Money Talks podcast. Don't go anywhere, folks. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode number 11 of the J Money Talks Podcast. Let's now get into the week. We're going to do a week two preview real quick. So, we're going to start off with all the uh, 1 o'clock games right now. With all the 1 o'clock games right here, right now. We got the Bay. We got the New York Giants take going to Chicago to take on the, ba- the Bears. we going to see how this is going to be because right now... They are a team. They are aiming to win the back of the games for the first time. For the first time since seven years. The first time since 2013 season that the Bears have won back of back games. They're playing on trying to deny the New York Giants their first victory under their new coach, Joe Judge. When, they, when the Giants visit Soldier Field this Sunday. If you don't know, last week, Chicago rallied from 17 points down behind. Behind three fourth-quarter touchdown passes by Mitchell Trubisky. And they hung on to a 27-23 victory over Detroit, over the Lions. And so what it says here, look like this is a chance that they actually uh, have. And this one is going to be interesting to see. Big thing is, they are... To say Kawan Barkley is looking to come back and try to get back into into a uh, game again. I think this is a big thing because Saquon Barkley was swarmed and out of 15 carries he was held to six yards, which is one of the worst games he's had since he was drafted with the number with the number two overall pick in 2018. Jeez, I'm sorry, I can hardly talk right now. The big thing is, it's going to be interesting because it looks like that the first thing is, he's doing stuff from shotgun, and 
then he's actually stirring you and it looks like this time around he's actually trying to do more while he's under center he's playing on doing more stuff under center that's what the plan is going forward it looks like this is something that's questioning the next thing is John's is playing on getting the run game back together It looks like that the uh, never thing is Bears gotta make sure that they get the garden for down conversions. That is the point. The big thing is extending drives a lot. That's for the Bears. Is Bears were two of eleven on fur downs in last week's game. Failed on all six of them in the first half. It missed their first seven in the beginning. It was just until they actually broke through late in the third quarter to actually that they actually broke a third down just to get in the comeback. So, they actually signed a new cornerback. Also, the Giants signed a new quarterback, cornerback in James Bradbury from the Panthers in free agency. And then they, they are also now trying to find another player to play on the other side of the field as DeAndre Baker was supposed to start. Then, he got released because he decided to be a fucking idiot. By being an armed robbery, so instead Corey Ballantyne ended up getting the start, and Ben Roethlisberger decided to put put his ass on, just burn his ass. All the receivers, Juju, James Washington, everyone pretty much took this kid to Cinnabar Island, burned his ass in that game against the Steelers. It was bad. Big thing is the Bears defense is needs to is ranked among the NFL's best in recent years, but it was hard to tell at times from his opener because they end up giving up 426 yards and only got one sack on Matthew Stafford on Matthew Stafford in the game. They also can move one turnover, yet it was a big one, which was Kyle Fuller's interception setting up the go-ahead touchdown for him. So, the big thing is, the defense still doesn't look that good, but I think this time around, they're actually be prepared to get them, all, get them back on there. I say, for this one, I say the Bears are going to go win this one, and I think I'm going to go over for them. They actually are a 5.5 point favorite in this game. Next, we go to Dallas the, the Atlanta Falcons go on to Dallas to head take on them Cowboys. Take on them Cowboys. And this one is going to be a big one. They are pretty much going to Cowboys trying to bounce back from a 2017 loss to the Rams. And the Falcons are trying to get a W on their board after falling to Seattle 38-25 despite 450 yards passing for Matt Ryan. My God. Goodness. My goodness. So this is gonna be something that is needs to be taken care of. This is a game that needs to have that needs to be won because if we because the big thing is Dan Quinn is trying to not have his very first Owen to start. Because this would recall the future of the coach that Nick most likely needs to have a playoffs berth in order to keep his job, which I believe is probably the case, which probably might not happen. So, Dan Quinn, you are probably going to the unemployment line, my friend. 
unemployment unemployment line, my friend. Once again, Dak is trying to make sure he can get back into this year and actually make sure he can reduce with a chance to tie when late. It is a big thing that is a theme that is really too familiar with last year as Dallas was 1-6 in, in these one-score games. One-score games, they... This ain't Dak. You gotta have a big first half, but you gotta find a way to make sure you can keep your team to produce anything, either a field goal, a touchdown, whatever it is. You gotta do. You gotta make sure that you keep this ball moving, keep the clock going, and everything else. That's a big thing. So you need to know. You gotta make sure you, because Prescott, this is your contract year. This year you gotta prove to Jerry, Jerry boy. Hey, I'm worth I'm worth the money that Mahomes got worth the money, worth the money Deshaun Watson got and whatever Lamar gonna get. I deserve a cut that much money in my bank account. Anyway, will there be a now will this team will this have fans? Yes, there probably will because Cowboys are going to have fans because according to Mike McCarthy, head coach Mike McCarthy. Cowboys are going to probably have a 25% capacity, which in a seat in a stadium which has a which sells is 80,000. So 20,000 fans intense is not bad. But according to Texas Governor Greg Abbott, you can have up to 50% capacity in stadiums. So there, I don't know what the number really will be. It's probably either going to be 20,000 to 30,000. 20 to 40,000 people in on that field. So, so, we might have the possibility of a game. So, we might have us a little fun game there. Game there. What's the big game? Things about it. We got the Cowboys. Is a battle of probably the wide receivers because for Dallas you got Amari Cooper who just got a great got a good extension with the Cowboys. CD first round draft pick CD Lamb for the Cowboys and Michael Gallup coming also in the lineup there. And then you got of course in the with for the for the Falcons you got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage. Who are pretty much coming into this one? Who are coming into this one very well? Especially Gage's performance was quite encouraging, as he was a six-round pick out of LSU in 2018. So he got a shot to play a much bigger role as the third receiver. This is a good kid. According to Matt Ryan, he said he's always been a guy who I thought had a lot of talent. You're always unsure when a guy gets his opportunity. Is he going to be able to handle that role? Do it week in and week out? He certainly exceeded everyone's expectations. So, we got that. That's going to be a big battle between wide receivers. Which which, which uh, quarterback is going to be the one that's going to throw that bomb? Probably throw that deep bomb that seals the team. Which gives the team the victory. Then, we get a, we get another round of... Z- of Zeke versus Todd Gurley, who is who both played who played against each other, ran against each other. The first three times, uh, first three times was when Gurley was with the Rams. 
including a divisional playoff game during the 2018 season, which is the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl and lost to the aforementioned Empire. Next thing is, the big thing is that both teams are also looking to try to tighten, get the tie, get the, is trying to get probably their secondary good because Falcons looking to tighten up their coverage because Russell Wilson end up just getting any throw, any toss that tossed these balls down like, like he drops his balls into Sierra. So, into Sierra, into Sierra. So, for Sierra, and that's gonna be the big thing. Is that is the big key here? The big key here is for them, and that's is primarily that is primarily primarily Atlanta Atlanta so this is going to pretty be a close game but I'm going to go with the Cowboys because the secondary for the Falcons is a little young is on a bit of the youth side and for them this is something that's going to be a bad uh, experience for them so that is the big big thing so next, we get a division game in the NFC North between the Lions and the Packers. In the Packers. And the last two games between the Packers and the Lions is the biggest difference. Green Bay finds a way to win these close games somehow by some type of miracle with the referees fucking the Lions raw with no lube. Or Detroit being Detroit. So, one of the two. So, Packers swept in their last two regular season games with the Lions last year despite never, never leading the game until Michigan Crosby made a game winning field goal as time expired. And Green Bay's home opener, they are means this Sunday at, in the Sunday. Michael first said that it was pretty much a miracle that we were able to win the, both those games. And Lions are trying to bounce back after blowing a 17-point fourth-quarter lead in a 27-23 loss to Chicago last week. Which, that loss was Detroit's 10th straight loss. Matthew Massaver explains about the loss. It doesn't matter if you lose it, win it, win it by 10, lose it by 10, whatever it is. Lose a close one, win a close one. You've got to move on from... Ben- to the next one, shoot, like we're us getting Green Bay gets our attention pretty quick. Well, Green Bay actually went 9-1 last year when games are desired by 8 points or less before opening this season with a 43-34 record. Detroit had a 2-0-1 record early last season with a pair of 3-point victories, but has since gone 1-9 in games decided by 8 or fewer points. And Lions have lost 11 games they've led in the fourth quarter under their head coach, Matt Patricia, who took over in 2018. Detroit is going to have a tough time building a lead against a Green Bay offense who is right now operating on peak. Peak. If I can see. As Aaron Rodgers threw for 364 yards and threw for four touchdowns, no picks against the Vikings, with Deion Vontae Adams tying a Dunn Hudson, 78-year-old franchise single-game record with 14 passes for Packers. And the Packers aren't planning on taking nothing for granted. 
Matt LaFleur says that quite frankly, they should have won last week. There's no doubt about it. And they definitely could have beaten us twice last year. So, you know, we've got a big task in front of us. This is the big thing about it. The offensive line uncertainty. The Packers are losing their starting right guard and Lane Taylor to a season ending knee injury. Mm. Their right tackle sale, the Vikings game with a new problem, so it says for Sunday's game is uncertain right now. The offensive line opportunities is gonna lead their injuries on the offensive line leads to him getting is giving with Rick Wagner an offensive tackle who played for guess who? Detroit from 2017 to 2019 and four getting released in March and he before he got released in March. Mm, I think he's gonna remember his he he's looking gonna be looking at his team uh, looking at looking at his old teammates and tell him this could be this could be us to use out the training. So who knows? The ham destroyed has some bad stuff with has been having issues with the hammies when Varves their quarterbacks because the Detroit Lions placed Justin Coleman on injured reserve and are unsure of Desmond Trufant's status after he was unable to practice Wednesday. And then Detroit's quarterback situation does get a boost from the rookie Jeff Akuda, who is the number one, number three overall pick from Ohio State. And Okuda has been practicing this week after missing the Bears game with a Every did straight. Next, we got Jair Alexander. Next, talk about Jair Alexander, who is a former Louisville Cardinal right here. Former Louisville Cardinal. Packers cornerback Jair Alexander says he'll have a tough time managing what he accomplished in the season opener. In the Vikings game, he had a sack, a pick, and a safety against the Vikings. And he became the first fifth player in the past 20 years to achieve all three of those things in the same game. God damn. It is a big thing. Next. This is a familiar foe because Stafford, Matt Stafford has thrown for 5,186 yards against Green Bay, which is the most of any Packers opponent. And he has thrown 34 touchdown passes against the Packers to tie Hall of Famer Johnny Unitas for first place among Green Bay foes. So, he, at the moment, he has... So, he has a chance of breaking that record. Record. The Lions are 7-11 against the backers in the game Stafford has played in. Next, another old rival returns to the Bay as Adrian Peterson is coming back in. Is coming back as Adrian Peterson. As Adrian Peterson, he had memorable matchups with Green Bay during his years in as the Vikings, after making some stops in New Orleans, Arizona, and Washington for the past three seasons, Adrian Peterson is back in the NFC, NFC North. And the Lions, in his Lions debut, Adrian Peterson ended up rushing for 93 yards on 14 carries. Aaron Rodgers says about about Peterson, in my generation playing in this league for the past 15 years, to me, he's the most talented back we've seen. There have been a lot of great ones, but we played him twice a year. Seeing him in his prime, not many people can combine speed, power, moves all in one, and you hated seeing him get out in the open field because he rarely got caught, and he just had all the tools as a back. 
And he still got most of the tools. I mean, he's still so talented, tough, strong, and athletic. I just have respect for how he's played his career and what he's accomplished. My, I say this. Green Bay, they're favored by six and a half. This is a home game. It's Lambeau. I got. I say it's going. It's got to be a. It's going to be a Packers win. That cheese. That in the land of, you can't win, lose in the land of cheese. Land of cheese. Jeez. Packers take this one. Next, we get a division. Another divisional right, divisional matchup between in the AFC South between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. This one's a big one. Is the Tennessee Titans? They are pretty much hoping to do a. Hoping to do, a. They're hoping to do is start a season two and zero for the first time since 2008, and that was also the last time the AFC South was in the palm of Tennessee's hands. Because listen, learning that Titans run to the AFC Championship game is the importance of starting the postseason at home, and the big goal is. Doing that against one of your rivals in the Jacksonville Jaguars. The biggest one, number one goal every single year is to win the division, according to Kevin Bayard. Titans maybe Kevin Bayard. So, obviously, the number one goal every year, single year is to win the division. So, we have to start by beating our division opponents. So, that's, of course, a big one. They have won six straight over the Jaguars. Titans have beaten the Jaguars six straight in Nashville with the past two victories coming in big routes. Tennessee is coming back from a 16-14 win in Denver, where this franchise hadn't won since 1987. Jeez. First time, that's when they were the Houston Oilers. That's how old that team had, had never won in Denver. That's huge. And the Jaguars beat the... So, the Jaguars, according to Bayard, he said that be, the Jaguars being Indianapolis got their attention. Bayard said of the Jaguars that, I think the Colts kind of underestimated them in a win a dog fight. So, hopefully, it won't be a dog fight for us. Hopefully, we can get up and score a lot of points. But, at the end of the day, it's all about trying to beat 1-0 this week. The Jaguars also have their eye of staying undefeated, which would... Only be only the eighth such two and zero star in franchise history, and the second time they've done that inside the division. And Josh, defensive end, Jaguars defensive end Josh Allen said, "I feel like there's always going to be that doubt when people think about us, and that's just a sad what we have to change around here." So yeah, I think it's a big game for us. It's a big game because it's a divisional game. It's a game that we must have. Next. Watch it. So, what's the big thing? We gotta watch the kicker because Steven Guskowski, a hat, pretty much a borderline Hall of Famer for the Patriots, a kicking machine, hit the practice field after missing two field goals and an extra point with a third field goal block in Denver. His last game. The four time Pro Bowler never missed that much in a single game during his 14 years with the Patriots. It said the special teams coordinator, Greg Uk. Ucker, Uker, A. Uker, man. I'm sorry, my friend. Lahayam said all the issues are fixable. When he was missing a couple, he was like, man, I've never had this happen. It's kind of like, hey, we've got to refocus, talk about a few things. 
Next is something called a curtain call. Curtain call. Jacksonville started three rookies in week one. Each had memorable debuts. The Jaguars hope they can build on those against Tennessee. Undrafted running back James Robinson right ran for six ran 16 times for 62 yards and leapt and ended up le- jumping over a defender like Mario during a 28-yard reception. Cornerback C.J. Henderson, the ninth overall pick in this year's draft, broke up four passes during and got his first pick in the game. He also sealed the victory, knocking away a four-down pass. Second rounder Laviska Chenault. Caught three passes for 37 yards in a score and had two carries out of a wildcat formation. Hmm. Unique. That is a unique thing. So, Chanel said that there is so much more, so much more. And this is what Chanel said, predicting more down the road. I'm not the type of guy to talk. I'm a very humble guy. I'm just ready for the opportunities to come my way. The big key is for the Jaguars is... Stopping the run, especially you got a literal bowling ball by the name of Derrick Henry, who at one who actually ran for like I say ten thousand yards in high school or some shit. So let's just say you gotta stop that big ass motherfucker. Who is a beast? Yeah, you, I don't think you want to do it because especially the last time you actually had. The last time I think, because the last time I remember, the dude ran a 99-yard run, got a 99-yard run on you guys. On you guys. Jaguars are ranked 28th in the league against the run in 2019. Derrick Henry ended up managing to get 203 yards and three touchdowns on the ground in the two games, the past two games last season. The... Jaguars general manager Dave Caldwell and head coach Doug Marone revamped their D-line move Miles Jack back to outside linebacker and signed in-the-box safety Josh Jones. Jack and Jones led lay Sunday as Jacksonville held Indy to 188 yards rushing, more than 50 yards under what it allowed last year. So, in- so pretty interesting. The Titans aren't about to hold the, rushing le- the NFL's rushing leader last year. And Coach Myrigable said they don't have a pitch count for Henry. They are planning on running this ball into the gut. The 2019 NFL rushing leader carried 31 times in the opening win against the Broncos. It was the third time Henry has topped 30 carries in his career. It says here Tennessee is 14-0 when he rushes for more than 100 yards. Henry is also averaging 104.3 yards rushing against AFC South teams since he became the starter in 2018. His 1,251 yards rushing inside the division lead the NFL in that time. A total that includes 498 yards rushing against the Jaguars. The big thing is, for the Titans, they have the pass rush. So this might be a little... Let's see how good the offensive line holds for uh, Gardner Minshew. Because... Linebacker Jadavion Clowney ended up playing 47 snaps in his Titans debut and had a technical for loss. Now the Titans might have their other free agent signed to help pressure quarterbacks available for the first time on Sunday. So, this is a big thing. They are going to have him on that field often. And it looks and it says here that Vic Beasley's Jared didn't pass physical, sadly, until September 5th. 
and was inactive against Denver, but he is he practiced for fully for the first time Thursday since joining the Titans. So Vic Weasley is going to be making his season debut with the Titans. So artist, this isn't going to be I say this this time around. I still say I say this Titans going to win this one. I don't see I maybe the Jaguars could stop the run. Who knows? But I say that this is a but this is a Titans team that's going to find a way of winning. I don't see the Jag them Titans losing to Jaguars anytime soon, so I go win Titans over Jaguars. But I think uh, Jaguars are going to cover the points spread a bit. Good cover the points spread, so we'll go with that. Next, we got the Vikings. The Vikings invade Indianapolis to go take on the Vikings. To go or invade Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And one thing to help with the ground game is getting a drafting this CMM by the name of Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, because he is now on Sunday, the Colts are giving this 21-year-old rookie to play the workhouse, be the workhouse horseback. As, sadly, the injured Marlon Mack actually got injured. Marlon Mack ended up getting injured. Getting out for the season because of an Achilles injury. Feels that feels bad for him. I feel bad for Marlon Mack. So wish to you the best, my friend. Next the big thing the big thing about this game is the defense is he's gonna have a definite workload, heavy workload. The young man Jonathan Taylor, he is actually a now if you're wondering who is John Vandeller, he was a great player for, he was probably the best, one of the best uh, running backs in Wisconsin, one of the best in the FBS. In, uh, for a long time, he was the first FBS player to top 6,000 yards in three seasons, three 2,000-yard seasons. And he's forgone his senior year to come to be a pro. And he actually made his debut last week having six catches for 67 yards. 67 yards. He has he is a powerful back. He is effective on the inside. He has a great breakaway speed. He's a dangerous player. So once he gets outside, he is dangerous. His speed is he's gone. He's gone. Frank coach Frank Reich. Colts head coach Frank Reich said that Jonathan I think has been in this mindset of he's been a star and a starter all his life. So for him to step into this role, I think it is a pretty easy transition. So this is you know, in this first game as a starter, he is going up against a Minnesota defense who is among the typically ranked among the league's best in terms of the run. Sorry to run, but the Vikings didn't look like that part because Minnesota allowed 43 points, 522 yards, in which is one of the worst uh which is one of the worst things in head coach Mike Zimmer's tenure as coach. The That is the first thing they cannot let afford happen again. Because if they don't, Vikings are going to be leaving. Going back to Minneapolis with an 0-2 start. The first since 2013. So what is the things that need to change? According to recently colored defensive end Yannick Ngagwe. He says that I feel 
I just feel like we came out flat, you know what I mean? People want to say, I guess, not having fans and things like that, but at the end of the day, it's just like playing backyard football. We didn't have any fans back then, we just went out there and had fun. Colts, however, have some, actually do have some, Colts actually have some other problems, as their newest quarterback, Phillip Rivers, threw two interceptions, and their best receiver, T.Y. Hilton, dropped the last two passes of the game. A feeling that is not at him all week. The best solution to this is a more balanced offense with a spotlight shot on Taylor. Coach Frank Reich said that you're excited for Donovan. This will be a great opportunity for him. So, let's talk about this whole road trip. After last week's home opener, the Vikings made their first road trip of the COVID-19 era to Indianapolis where actually a crowd of up to 2,500 fans could congregate in at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is a weird thing. Coach Mike Zimmer said about the, about this, the fans, the 2,500 fans at the game, this might be a little bit more normal now that we've been through this one time. We just have to be focused on our job and what we're going to do, and we can't worry about crowds and protocols and anything like that. But the Colts in history has been inhospitable to Minnesota, which has lost all loving games played in Baltimore or Indy when they were the Baltimore Colts and he is the Indianapolis Colts. Vikings actually own at least one road win against the other 30 franchises. So, of the 11 times that the Vikings and the Colts have played in Indy or in Baltimore, the Minnesota Vikings cannot come out with, could never come out with one W, which is a rare, which is a rarity. So if they actually do this, they actually get the tie. The rate the Vikings can join the Ravens in winning at least winning a game at at least one game at all 31 venues and all 31 NFL franchises. 31 other, other franchises. So, that is a big goal. Next, next we're talking about a milestone watch next. Is the milestone watch up next? As it says here that Philip Rivers remembers hanging posters of some of the great quarterbacks in his bedroom this week, he is has a chance of joining some and joining some and surpassing some others. It says here that a river that Philip Rivers needs two touchdown passes and 366 yards in this game to become the sixth member of the 400 TD club and the 60,000 yard club. And he needs at least 24 completions in this game to pass Hall of Famer Dan Marino for fifth all-time for most pass completions, which is 4,967. If he actually makes his consecutive start, it makes it 226. He will end up tying former Raven Terrell Suggs for the league's 11th longest streak. And one more win actually gives him 124, tying Hall of Famer and former Vikings great the legend Fran Tarkenton for number 8 all time. Rivers, according 
Phil Rivers said, according about these milestones, that's what matters most. Find a way to help the team to a win. If that means eight yards passing and handing it off 55 times, then let's do that. If it means something different, then let's do that. A familiar foe. This is also a familiar foe. The Vikings' last trip to Indy was also the debut for the Indianapolis Colts. But, Yannick Ngagawe actually played at Lucas Oil Stadium four times with Jacksonville before he was traded in the eight career games against Colts. Ngagawe has had six and a half sacks, 15 quarterback hits, three forced fumbles, and one pick. The Colts were eager to get him out of the division, but not happy to see him back so soon. According to head coach Frank Reich said that he has a relentless motor. He's a fierce competitor. That was a very good pickup for the Vikings. Anangaga had only four full practices with the Vikings before his debut last week against Green Bay. He was a non-factor in the loss. And knowledge this week, he was rusty. Well, it is. That is kind of true because, I mean, it is honest. You've only been there for, you had four practices with a team. You were trained like at least the week before this thing started, so didn't have a chance to understand the schemes and everything, so I kind of understand there, that point there. So, let's move on next. Next, we, looks like a former player is reunited, and it feels so good. As Xavier Rhodes spent seven seasons with Minnesota Vikings as cornerback, a force I of Indianapolis is out independent free agent in March. He was not bitter about this deal. It's just excited that he's got to hit some old friends. When I was practicing against those guys, Rose said about his former going up against his former teammates in Minnesota. He says when I was practicing against those guys when I was there, we were competing each and every play. So it's gonna be the same right there on the field. Rhodes but he said I am going to be able to tackle him this time. So, it's going to be interesting. So, I say this is going to be a this is a closer game. I think this for this one, I say this time the Vikings are going to have it better, going to look much better. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have enough to lead this team. He's going to do just enough for uh, for the Vikings to win this one. So I'm gonna give Vikings the one the W here. I think the Colts sadly might have to go on two in this one. Next, in the next game, we go to the AFC East. We start with the Bills and the Buffalo Bills going to Miami. Take on the fight to take on the Miami Dolphins. So let's begin with the rebuilding project for the Dolphins that Brian Flores has to, has to do. If it involves them trying to get to be the best team in the AFC East, they got to find a way to beat Josh Allen and the Bills. Lately, the rivalry has gone the Bills' way, and Miami fans in the stands, their number, it sounds like they're actually, there will be fans in Miami, because which their numbers will be limited because of Corona. We'll be rooting for a reversal when these teams meet in the Dolphins' home over this Sunday. Brian Forrest talking about the game, saying, I would agree that the Bills are trending upward. This is a good team. We want to put our best foot forward. Flores actually went 0-2 against Buffalo last year, and the Bills are 5-1 against Miami since Sean McDermott became their coach in 2017. The Bills have won three in a row in the series with, with Josh Allen, 
doing amazing with eight touchdown passes and one pick. Heck, this year, Buffalo is off to the best start among the free EFC seems hoping to overtake the Patriots in this post-Tom Brady era. Bills opened their campaign to be the AFC East new king by beating the New York Jets, and the Dolphins began year two under Brian Forrest under by losing to his former boss, New England. Lost New England. Improvements. Last week, we had Josh Allen throw for free free completions. Free free completions for 312 yards, which were both great highs, and he directed an offense that controlled the ball for more than 41 minutes, which is the Bills' highest time, most time that the Bills have held the football for that long since at least 2005. Uh, according to Dolphins defensive end Jack Lawson, who was Allen's teammate on the Bills in 2018-2019, says he has grown a lot. He looks a lot better than he was last year. Ten times better. Uh, Brian Forrest said Allen is coming to his own in his first NFL season. He has made, Laura said about Josh Allen, he has made incredible growth from the time we first saw him until now from an accuracy standpoint, just an overall presence. He's got command of the offense and his leadership at that team rallies around him. The big thing is, is something that is needs to be stopping the run. It, appears that this is the game that Dolphins won and then it's stopping the run this year. In the opener, they couldn't actually stop the QB holding the ball. Cam Newton did one thing. He kind of broke the usual mold of usually the Patriots, how the Patriots play quarterback. Nance was running the football as Cam Newton ran for 75 yards and scored two touchdowns. Miami gave up a league-worst 217 yards in rushing, yet there was no fans at that game. The Dolphins still heard about the disappointing performance from their retooled offense. Their new, their new linebacker, courtesy of the New England Patriots, Kyle Vanoy, said that we gave up 217 yards rushing, so we should get crest, so we should get criticized. That's not good enough. Josh Allen is likely to test the Dolphins on the ground himself. He actually carried a career high 14 times last week and led the Bills with 57 yards rushing. Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Brian DeBall didn't take long to unveil several new wrinkles following the offseason addition of their new big name wide receiver in Stephon Diggs, and they include playing five receivers at once. Five wide outside. Stephon Diggs said. About his new offensive coordinator, he's the mastermind, and he had a team lead eight catches for 86 yards. As Allen completely passes to eight different receivers. As far as getting me involved, I'm more than thankful, but more so from the standpoint that he got everybody involved. A lot of people touched the ball. Is there a possibility of them rebounding? The Bills. The big thing is the Ryan Fitzpatrick is trying to get himself better, get back into his into being the right team, be the best man. Yes. Bills are not are all too familiar about Ryan Fitzpatrick's inconsistency in aka Fitzception. Because as Ryan Fitzpatrick threw free interceptions, which end up sparking up fresh round questions about Flores 
Tommy DeBobel turning to the rookie Tua Tagovailoa, the number fifth pick in the draft. His answer is not yet. Which I can which I say this, which I think it's a thing that's going to happen because Jesus, I don't know why my nose is a little soft up and not soft up a bit. Big thing is they the Dolphins are actually expecting Fitzpatrick to bounce back from this bad game, which is something that he's usually done in a 16-year career. Ryan Fitzpatrick says you don't want to have weeks like I had last week. That can happen if you're if we're going to win games. For me and the roller course I've been on, I have an easy way of putting things like that behind me and moving on. Josh Allen is familiar with Fitzpatrick's long career, especially with his time in Buffalo from 2009 to 2012. They've actually hung out together at the Masters Golf Tournament this year. Interesting. Josh Allen said of Fitzpatrick, It's fun to be around. You hear all the stories about him in Buffalo and how much joy he still has playing the game. Now, the gates. They are opening, starting to open the gates. Because of the coronavirus this year, only one NFL stadium allowed fans to watch the action on the season's opening Sunday, which was the Jaguars. The Jaguars game against the Colts. Now the Dolphins says they are allowing up to 13,000 people unmasked, ma- masked, social distancing, to social distance, and attend their home opener at Hard Rock. At Hard Rock. At Hard Rock Stadium. Bills aren't having feds for their first two home games at least, and last month McDermott, actually Sean McDermott complained that there was no uniform NFL policy about allowing fans during the pandemic, but the Bills always drew all well in Miami ever, and Allen figures that not all the spectators are going to be Dolphins fans, which might be true because, let's be real, is there's probably not many Dolphin fans who go to their home games as much anymore. So let's be real. Some people, some of those Buffalo fans, probably moved to Miami anyway. Get out of that cold sometimes. So you know, there's also a possibility of that. So Josh Allen says about those fans. I'm sure there's going to be a good amount of Bills fans. It's going to be exciting to be back in front of people and having that experience of the energy and excitement in the building. Whatever the allegiance is, fans must share and boo with their masks on. That's all. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. So, ooh, I think it's going to be winning this one. I say it is probably going to be the Bills. I, I, I think Josh Allen's good, and I think there's going to be a point where we're going to have a big thing. The injury report is that right now they are out. Bills have three of their linebackers out for this game for Dolphins. The L. Landon Roberts is out, and they have Devontae Parker, former Raven, former U of L. Cardinal, also went to my high school, Ballard, went to my high school, Ballard High School. So, and is actually questionable with an injury, which actually, um, like, what is this injury? So, we might have to look into this stuff. 
Let me look into this. Okay, so it's a oh hamstring injury. All right, so okay, hamstring injury, and Clayton Finjam is doubtful because of a pectoral injury, I believe, which is, I mean, but I think this is going to be a Bills win, and I think they're going to take the over. They're going to go over in this one. Next, we get the. We get the 49ers in order for it to bet life steam to go to the New York Jets. Do take on the Jets. And this one is a big one. It is a big, uh, is a big chance of them trying to get on back from a loss to the Arizona Cardinals after blowing a fourth quarter league in their season opener. Opener. And this time they're facing the Jets and at MetLife Stadium. Jimmy Garoppolo. 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo said, We've just got to get we just got to move on. Get to week two and get this thing rolling now. We've you've got to deal with the situation that you're given and control what you can control. For the 49ers, it's not about letting another lately slip their hands as they did in this 24 to 20 loss to Arizona on Sunday. This is also the first Super Bowl running up runner up to lose a game. Losing a season over after Carolina fell 21 to 22 Denver in 2016, San Francisco is also trying to avoid becoming the first to start 0 2 since Seattle in 2015. In 2015, while the Jets looked awful in its 27 to 17 loss at Buffalo last Sunday, a victory at the Meadowlands might not be such a sure thing for the 49ers who are dealing with numerous injuries. On all sides, both sides of the ball. Their cornerback, Richard Sherman, is out with a calf injury. Tight end, Greg George Kittle, is out, is uncertain to play because of a knee injury. And their wide receivers, Debo Samuel, with a foot injury. And Brandon, Brandon Ike, with a hamstring injury, didn't play in the opener. Jimmy Garoppolo says that about these injuries, we've dealt with this before. I think every team, you've got to deal with your injuries. Next man up mindset. Jets, around the Jets. So, this is the next one. Is the next, you know, the Jets know exactly what the 49ers are dealing with. They are out without... Jets are actually not the only team that's having injuries as well. Because... Injuries as well. It's because Jets are without sour running back Le'Veon Bell with a hamstring injury. Because of a hamstring injury... It was Adley on injured reserve, and our lean receiver, Jameson Crowder, is uncertain to play after injuring his hamstring last week. Last week. This is going to put more sprain on there on the Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold, who has actually struggled mildly in the opener in his game opener last week against the Bills with his mechanics, footwork, and decision making. He had up finishing 21 out of 35 for 215 yards and a touchdown. But with one extra pick, but the numbers were largely padded by a strong final drive. 
Sam Darnold said about his performance last week. My timing needs to be better. I think I did hurry some things. I feel like just at the beginning of a game, I've just got to relax and take a deep breath, ease myself into it, and make the throws when they are there. The next piece about this of for the Niners is the missing key piece of defense, which is Richard Sherman being on injury reserve. He is probably the far, he was by far the most pinnable part of a secondary line for a team that allowed the fewest yards passing in more than a decade. Of course, Richard Sherman he was a member of the Legion of Boom with the Seattle Seahawks. He is a great quarterback. One probably, I don't know, I can say he's the best corner in the game, but he tries, I'm sorry, receiver like, say, like Crabtree. Those results you get. I don't even want to talk about him. Bad about him. So the big thing was in the opener, Emmanuel Mosley ended up struggling across from Sherman in the opener. There were questions about the overstar with Akilo Robinson with a spoon trying to get back from a concussion. Uh, the last few seasons that that a, that Sherman has missed, the 49ers lost all three of those games, allowing nearly 10 points more per game and a pass rating that is 11 points higher without him. Fred Warner. 49ers linebacker Fred Warner said, I know guys are ready to step up. I know guys are ready, and if we put the right week of practice in like we know we should, we should be firing on all cylinders this week. Big thing about this is Frank Gore is coming, is going to be coming, is going to be playing with, uh, is going to be a, uh, is Back, he's going to be starting with the Jets, the New York Jets. The 37-year-old Frank Gore is coming back in with uh, with the Jets, starting with Jets. And I believe, didn't Frank Gore play for the 49ers at one point? Actually, I believe that Frank Gore was drafted by the, I believe, with the 49ers, actually. So, this is actually his first time... Back, I believe. Yep, he was a 49er. He was drafted by the 49ers. So this is him coming back to San Francisco once again. And this time around, he's coming back to his own team. He's coming back to the team that drafted him. This time around, he is as a New York Jet. New York Jet. New York Jet. In fact, matter of fact, the the 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan remembers studying Frank Gore's college film back when he was getting a start in the NFL as a quality a quality control coach in for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2004. Frank Gore is still going 16 years later. Is set to get a start for the Jets this week against a team that actually draft the team that actually drafted him in 2005. 37-year-old Gore is the third lean rusher in NFL history. Mike Shanahan talks about Gore saying that I loved him then. I loved him every year. He runs so hard. The guys that run that hard very rarely can play to his age, which just shows how dedicated he is, how much of a football player he is, and obviously extremely talented, but he's a special dude. Especially dude. One of the few bright spots for the Jets in the game against the Bills was actually the play of safety Marcus May, who was to decide to set into the role of Jamal Adams, who played in his 
played as safety for being traded this summer to Seattle. Marcus May was actually all over Ville, racking up 10 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, two passes defended, two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. My goodness. That's a lot of stats. This man was making sure he was doing some work. Jets head coach Adam Gase says, Talk about a guy that probably did everything imaginable in the safety position. I don't think there's many guys that could do what he did last week as far as the variety. The next part is being the feature back in this game, and that is Raheem Mostert for the 49ers. He played a big part in the 49ers run this Super Bowl last season, rushing for 773 yards and 12 TDs in his final seven in his final 10 games in the regular season and points season combined. He did all that work as a backup, but he ended up making the most of his first career start in Week One. He actually had 151 yards from scrimmage and scored on a 76-yard TD pass that showed off his improved receiving skills. 49ers coach Shane Ryan, 49ers head coach Ryan Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan says about Mostert that Raheem has grown in every aspect. He gets better and better the more opportunities he gets. He got a real good opportunity on that look Sunday and did what he was capable of, and that was a house call. So it was awesome. So the big one is this is a bounce back game for probably the 49ers. Jets is probably, this one might be a little closer, but it looks like the Niners are probably going to have a way of candling this, especially uh, for a team like the Jets. I believe this is going to be a game. San Francisco wins, and I think it will be a, I say it will be a touchdown. Next. Okay, next. Let me take a second here. I need a breather. Let me take a break real quick, because I'm, I'm going to try to do this one, one thing. <sighs> Alright, next, we got the LA Rams. Going out of coming out of SoFi Stadium and take going to Link. Take on the Philly Philly and Eagles. So we got pretty much both. The number one and number twos in the 2017 NFL draft between Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. This is the first time that So, both teams end up having, end up doing two good things for their team. Two good ways, things for their team as Carson Wentz ended up finishing third in the NFL MVP voting his sophomore season when Eagles won their first Super Bowl title, but they did it without him tearing his knees, both his knees, in his only meeting against the golf. Goff in the Rams, surprisingly. And Jared Goff led LA to a Super Bowl appearance the following season, 
but ended up losing to the aforementioned Evil Empire, 13-3, New England. It's about 53. So, these two are facing off this Sunday. Rams visit the Eagles. And Carson Wentz said about Jared Goff, he says that I have a lot of respect for him as a player and a guy. Guy, and I enjoy playing against him. Uh, the Eagles trade up twice to get the second pick, hoping to get Carson Wentz. They would have been happy with Goff, but it was known at the time he was going to the Rams. It was so both in Eagles head coach Jock Peterson said about the about the pick of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. We like Goff as well, and yet looking back and kind of thinking back on some of the conversations, just felt that Carson was the fit for us here in Philadelphia. His makeup, his chemistry. The style of play kind of fit we were doing, and that's nothing against Jared Goff because he's obviously had a great career so far. It just made Carson a better fit for us at the time. It says here that Jim Plunkett and Archie Manning were picked were number one and two in 1971. Plunkett lasted only five seasons in New England, but found success in Oakland where he led the Raiders to Super Bowl titles in 1980 and 1983. And Archie Manning got stuck playing for the terrible Saints, New Orleans Saints, and won only 435 of his 139 career starts. Drew Bledsoe and Rick Meyer went 1-2 in 1993. Bledsoe won 98 games and threw 44,611 yards. Meyer was 24-44 and 44 as a starter with... Or different teams. Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf went 1-2 in 1998. Peyton Manning is heading to the Hall of Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Ryan Leaf is on the all-time draft bus. Tim Couch and Don McNabb went 1-2 in the following year. Tim Couch, of course... Lasted five seasons, going 22 and 37, playing for, sadly, the sad, sad, sad Browns. An honor man led the Eagles to several playoff appearances and a Super Bowl. 2012, Andrew Luck and Ryan Griffin III won one and two. Andrew Luck had an outstanding career with the Colts before abruptly retiring. Because the Colts decided not to invest in an offensive line and killed his drive to play this game. Archery ended up starting his career well and then got injured a lot and is now a backup for Ravens. And now, Jaren, James Wilson and Mark Mario went one in two. In 2015, and both are currently backups with other teams. Other teams, not the teams they are drafted. They drafted. They drafted. Damus is with the James Woodson is with the New Orleans Saints as a backup, and Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota is with, I believe, I believe the Chargers. I believe. But Mario is on injured reserve at the moment. So, 
Not going to be seeing him anytime soon. I'm sorry if I'm... LA Rams head coach Sean McVay said, said about both Jared Goff and Wentz. He says both guys have done an excellent job relieving their franchises. The big thing that is going to be questioning, the big thing for that is bad for the Eagles is they are missing free-time Pro Bowl right guard Brandon Brooks, free-time All-Pro Pro Bowl right tackle Lane Johnson, Nate Herberg, Airbig and rookie Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbrick and Jack rookie Jack Driscoll took their place and made their first career starts. Johnson is trending towards returning from an angle injury this week. Herbrick will remain in the lineup for Brooks, who tore an Achilles in the offseason, which is a big deal. The biggest thing about this is they are going up against a a, a defensive line with Rams newcomer Leonard Floyd and a man who probably might just, who practically just, just, practically just, just touches a offensive alignment and tips him over. (laughs) Over, and you are sacked. Because this man, man, Aaron Donald, is playing on getting up in Carson Wentz's cheeks. (laughs) Literally, because... This man, Carson Wilde, said that Donald is a game record, which is true because this is an offensive line that allowed eight sacks against Washington. So, in the 27-17 loss, that is scary. And the Rams ended up containing Dallas' powerful offense last week in a 28-17 win under their rookie defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. So, that is the big thing. For the Eagles, running back Miles Sanders is expected to return for the Eagles after missing their opener with a hamstring injury. Run game couldn't get going without Sanders, who ended up leading all rookies with and scrimmage last season. The Eagles only had 57 yards rushing on 17 carries against Washington. During the 10, during Sean McVay's center, the Rams have had a dominant, are practically known as the Royal Warriors of the league. As they've won each of their free openers in their free openers in this tenure and are gone 20 and 8 in road and neutral side games, including playoff games. Their dominance started a win last season when LA lost its final two road games, dropped to 5 and 4 away from Coliseum. But McVay still only, still only lost to one road opponent with a losing record in three years. So, so in the Rams side to replace their star running back Todd Gurley, who paid, who they paid a lot to extend him, who sadly, unfortunately, had probably arthritis in his knees, which is a crazy thing, especially for someone his age. The Rams ended up replacing Todd Gurley with free running backs with very Malcolm Brown getting most of the workload against Dallas. Running for 79 yards and two touchdowns. McVay winning, but John McVay ended up going into this game expecting to give more play number to rookie Cam Akers. Who actually started and ran for 39 yards. Sean McVay is likely to give more work to Akers and second pro year pro Daryl Henderson against the Eagles. But Brown could lead the way again if he remains effective.
But, hey, they're going over free back. Hey, that's a nice free head running machine. That's fine. But, hey, if, if Michael Brown is the better of, but is the workholes, it might be the workholes back. So, I mean, you got to feed that back. Feed, feed the man. Feed the man. All I can say is you got to feed the man. So, for this one, the Phoenix the Eagles are a one-point favorite in this game, which is kind of cute, but kind of stupid. I say this, the Rams are probably going to be massacred, and there's a probably a chance that Wentz could probably break his leg again, because Aaron Donald is playing on practically violate this. He's playing on serious violations of his man. So, violating this man's corpse. So, let's just say this. I'm going to give it to the Rams in this game. Rams get this one. Next, we go to we go to Pittsburgh. We get the Denver Rockets going up against Ben, Big Ben. And the Black and Gold Brigade. Going up against Big Ben and the Black and Gold Brigade. Also known as the Pittsburgh Steelers. So... So, it says here that so let's see what happens here the big no kiss is Ben Rossberger is practically said that the pain was familiar to him welcome even the best part about how his free about his body felt after first his first game after after his first game in free agency four days Ben he actually said that Ben is Rossberger is hopeful the saga of his extended comeback came to an end in Northern Jersey. He actually, uh, the big thing is, he ended up tossing three touchdowns in that in that great, solid performance by him. Said Ben Rossberger says from here on out he expects the focus to be on football, though that may be impossible heading into this home opener. Ravering. So, rather than being preparing for the Broncos, the looks like though we got a return of the little days of our Steelers, maybe because a portion of week the. Ben and the organization end up having to spend a good chunk of the week facing some questions about the team's unity because starting left tackle Andre Alejandro Villanueva, who was a former member of the military, mind you, chose to honor a fallen U.S. Army veteran on the back of his helmet. Rather, Finn, a young, from Finn, a young black Pittsburgh teenager who was killed by a white East police. Pittsburgh police officer back in 2018 as the rest of the team decided to wear his name on the back of their helmets in New York against the Giants. And this was a move that caught the actually caught Robsberger and defensive tackle Cameron Harrod, who are both longtime captains off guard. It ended up getting to a point point that the present Steelers president Art Rooney II actually had to issue a statement saying he was proud of the efforts of the players to bring awareness and changes to combat racism and social justice 
while acknowledging we understand that individually we may say or do things that are not universally accepted. Now, Denver's issues are actually not as bad as it as compared to drama issues are not involving that type of drama. It is, and that is that the Broncos actually had a winnable game against the Bronc against the Titans slip up, slip up on Monday night against the Titans. Titans as the Titans drove down the field late to get a last-second field goal for Stephen Seattle to make. So there was also tangible signs, to, but still there was tangible signs of things to get excited about as Denver helps gain traction in head coach Vic Vangio's second season. The Bronx quarterback Drew Locke completed 22 of 33 passes for 216 yards with a touchdown and zero interceptions. The 24-year-old has also been proven to take difficult to take down fourth because he is that tall white quarterback John Elway has been searching for. Yet he just been sacked he's been sacked just five times in six first starts, so and he'll need to escape Pittsburgh's fierce pass directs and our and do it while taking care of this ball because Broncos actually want to extend their recent mastery over the Steelers. What I mean is in the past five meetings Denver has won four of them and a list of those victorious quarterbacks include Tim Debo and one Case Keenum. One big thing is that the that Drew Locke actually has actually does have a good actually that Drew Locke actually has one person in his corner. A Hall of Fame offensive line coach in Mike Munchak. If you don't know what that, who that name was, Mike Munchak actually served as the offensive line coach in the same capacity for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2014 to 2018. Now you're asking, he was that coach for a good chunk of time. Why did he leave the Steelers? Because he decided to be go join Denver because he wanted to be closer to his family. Be closer to his family, which is a big thing. Steelers defensive lineman, defensive lineman, Cameron Hayward said, called Munchak the ultimate spy. It says here, Drew Locke said about his, said about the offensive line, hopefully we can prove the point that we have a great O-line while blocking these guys up to give me more, give me time back there. If that's what we do, then we're going to be a great football team. And a victory over V, over sadly an empty Hinesfield and Hinesfield with no Yenzers in the field is a good could be a good starting point. Good starting point. So, what's the big thing here? Is the for the debut of Jerry Judy in for debut of Jerry Judy was actually pretty good as he was keeping up with. Was tying up Mal- tying up great great cornerback Malcolm Miller in knots and actually repeatedly gained separation in the opener against the Titans. He ended up caught, he ended up making his debut with four, catching four passes for 56 yards. But the one thing he's gonna remember of his debut is a pair of costly drops, one that actually could have helped never run away with the win, ice the win over the Titans. Jerry G says. Says that he those two drops will probably help me not draw passes for the rest of this season. 
JJ, who is the 15th overall pick out of Alabama, says was he wasn't renowned as much for his good hands, but for his good known as much for his good hands as quick his quick feet and crisp route running. Next, next we got about next big name in this game is the running back. For the Steelers, Benny Snell Jr., who was a who arrived as a fourth round pick in 2019 from University of Kentucky, and he came in this one with a chip on his shoulder. It says here that that chip would sometimes rain at practice as a veteran defensive line. It says here Snell has been decidedly quieter entering his second season, preferring he let his pads do the talking. And those pads talk a lot of shit as he ran for a career high 113 yards against his Giants after his starter James Conner went down with an ankle injury. Conner serves is sadly uncertain right now, but Snell figures that he has earned more playing time in this game. The big thing is Vic Benio actually admits that he actually blew it because blew it by not calling the timeout in the closing seconds and it's actually preserved much time as possible for his young, inexperienced offense. Vic Fangio called it a one-off, so he's not playing on changing procedure ever. However, he's not playing on changing procedure. Last year, Fangio, Vic Fangio had an analytics expert in his ear at, in end of the game and situation, but after a shakeup in that department this offseason, Vic Fangio decided to be on his, was on his own. He said his coaches can always chime in, but it's more apparent None of them did as the Broncos saved all three of their timeouts to use after Tennessee went ahead with 17 seconds left in the game. Alright, so. So, it looks like the Shaggy Project before the Steelers in right tackle sack banner, his transversation to NFL star, ended up being a massive bump because he sadly tore his ACL in his right knee in the game against the Giants, which sadly ended his season after less than four quarters. Oh my goodness. So, a former... So now, a third-round pick in 2018, name of Shukwama Okorafor. I believe that's... I'm saying that right. A third pick... Third round pick who in 2018 is going to be taking over for Banner. Uh, ben Roethlisberger says about talks about Banner, saying we will miss him, but we also have confidence that Chucks will do the job. It was a close battle, I think, from what I heard from Coach Tomlin. We will need Chucks to step in, to step up. Who has playing experience? We will expect him to do great things. Uh, alongside in the a rookie by the name of Kevin Dotson is going to be making his first NFL couldn't make his first NFL start at guard with Pro Bowler David DeCastro dealing with an injury and veteran Stefan Stefan Wisniewski recovering from a chest injury. So there, so it looks like the offensive line is a little banged up there, which it could, which unfortunately for the Broncos, if they had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. That would be something to benefit for him, but unfortunately they're gone. I certainly say that this one might be a L for this. This might be an L for the. I say this is going to be a W for the bit for the Steelers. They are going to walk out of that. Walk out. They're going to celebrate in Heinz Field with a W over the Broncos.
Broncos. Next, we go to Tampa Bay. We got the Carolina Panthers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an NFC South battle. NFC South battle. NFC South battle. As Tom Brady and the, Bay, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tr- expect to be better than the Carolina Panthers, the six-time Super Bowl champion, champion quarterback of the Patriots, ended up struggling in his debut with his new team. And was called off by his coach for throwing a pick. That was for a pick six. For throwing a pick six. And not only knows one way to move on from a rare seasonal rare seasonal opening L for him. Keep working. Bray says about this. Every week is a different challenge. I think it starts with great communication. And understanding how to win the game. How to lose the game. Being on the same page with my teammates so we can go execute. Obviously, you turn the ball over makes it difficult to win. It's giving us story points. You've got to figure out how to score more points than the other team, obviously. He also notes that the Bucks need to also eliminate penalties and other negative plays. There's been a lot of focus on those things this week. There is also another there's also been on one attention from the outside following Coach Bruce Arian's blunt assessment of the quarterbacks to turnover performance in this 34-23 season opening loss. To the Saints in New Orleans. Arians ended up striking out for criticism of his decision to express his feelings publicly of this of his new quarterback expressing his feelings about his new quarterback doing his job. Of how he, his new quarterback was doing his job in public. Saying that the relationship between him and Brady is actually fine. Aaron said about it, so I don't really care about what other people think, it's just what he and I think. For his part, the quarterback didn't say much. Bray said about Arians, he's a coach, I'm a player, we're just trying to win the game. Panthers are actually expecting the 43-year-old Bray to rebound and play well. First-year coach Matt Rule says, I have the utmost, utmost, utmost respect for Tom Brady, who did, didn't do in this Carolina debut, lost to the Las Vegas Raiders in a 34-30 matchup. Matt Rule says more about Brady. To me, you learn about quarterback when things go wrong. Some things went bad in that game, but Tom brought them back, got them within 10 points, and still had a chance to win. We know we'll have our hands full. No one's better in bouncing back from a loss than Tom Brady. Next, this is going to be... Tom Brady is gonna, then going to be facing a young Panthers defense which includes three rookie stars, including tackle Derek Brown, defensive end Yatur Gross Matos, and cornerback Troy Pride Jr. Carolina's defense actually struggled in week one against the Raiders, allowing Derek Carter to lead six scoring drives in the Raiders' first eight possessions, three of which ended in touchdowns. We need to do a better, Matt Roll says that we need to do a better job of tackling to his defense. Getting off the field on third down was a struggle for the, for the Panthers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are actually quite familiar with Teddy Bridgewater. No, not necessarily the offensive system the quarterback is running this first season with Pavers. Now, with the coronavirus pandemic forcing the cancellation of pro recent games, the only type of what Carolina is doing under rule of Matt Rule and offensive coordinator Joe Brady, it was last week's season opener. And Bruce Aarons was impressed with what he saw. Aarons is about the team. 
about the Panthers is that coach and quarterback have history in the same offense. It's not like they're starting from scratch. From scratch. Coach added that Teddy is a very, very bright guy and has very few turnovers in his history. That part of it didn't surprise me at all. Christian McCaffrey never surprised me because if he gets a crack, he can't. He's going. Going. It all starts with him. I thought they did a good job with feeding him. A feed him. And Teddy Pre played really well. Christian McCaffrey's touches. Matt Rule said the Panthers want to get McCaffrey about 25 to 28 touches a game, which is was right around the game plan last week. However, Matt Rule would also like to work in number two right back Mike Davis a little more against the Buccaneers. Matt Rule says because the Panthers had only three offensive possessions in the first half in the Raiders, it was actually difficult to do. Carolina Panthers left tackle Russell Akun said it has been a tough week for the offensive line knowing they failed to pick up one yard on a fourth down run late in the game on a potential 34 to 3 on a potential winning drive in their loss to Raiders. Fullback Alex Amas was stopped cold on a run up the middle, turning the ball over on downs. Russell Clinton said, honestly, the the game comes down to 4th and 1. We did not do enough to win the game, especially when it was on our backs. We need more, and we've got to figure out a way to win those situations. This one is a bounce back game for this one is a bounce back game for the Buccaneers and for Tom Ray especially. This will be that they need both E C and and W and this isn't a big this one is actually gonna be a little bit closer than I think it's gonna be. Because I think Tay Bridgewater is gonna keep it close and Tom Ray is gonna be a quarterback. This is gonna be a duel, a great quarterback duel between the two of these teams. And I say that it is gonna be this is going to be a W that is going to the Buccaneer. To, I say, it's going to go down to one score. I don't believe it's going to be an NF point game for Tampa Bay. I say this is going to be possibly, I say a Bucks win, but I say it's going to end by a last second field goal or something. I just feel it in my gut. A second field goal or some or some type of Brady magic. So now that's all the one. That is all the one o'clock, the one o'clock games of the week. We'll be. I'm gonna take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back with more of the J Money Talks podcast. This is episode number eleven of the J Money Talks podcast. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. All right, guess so. It is. Alright guys, we're back with uh, episode number with episode number eleven with of J Money Talks podcast. It is and I realize it is five in the morning. Yeah. And I'm really tired. I gotta need get, I need to get some sleep. I gotta get this done. We got I'm gonna cover I'm gonna go for the speed run for this. Big one is we got the Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals going up against the Washington Football Team. This is in Arizona. It's in Arizona. Uh, who I think is going to be winning this one? I we're I'm going to just choose who I think will win this one. I say this might be a game for for Cardinals. 
But I think Washington has some... Uh, their defense looks pretty good, especially their pass rush is something that's decent, especially with Chase Dion and Ryan Kerrigan coming in looking just decimating. I think this one might be a challenge for the Cardinals, but I think the Cardinals do win this one. But it's going to be a little closer. Next, Chargers. The Chiefs take on the Chargers in in L.A., which is a.k.a. also known as a probably, I think, is it there? And this is the first game the Chargers play at Stofi. It's SoFi Stadium, which is said, unfortunately, their first guess is practically a team that's pretty much going to be living in their heads rent-free for probably in the next decade. For the next decade. Which means... And I think this is probably no... There's no... Uh, I don't think there's actually any crowd to this. So I don't think there will be a crowd, luckily enough, to see that massacre. So... We're going to go with, so this one, Chiefs are going to probably win this one in SLR. Now, this one is Ravens versus Texans. Next, it, it's just a feature game on CBS. Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens take on the Texans. Take on the Houston Texans. Uh, the big thing is, for Lamar, it is... The Ravens, they got, they are heading to Houston, take on the Texans. This one will have no fans, unfortunately, it's empty stadium. It's an empty stadium. And Houston, it's unfortunately because Houston area is a COVID hotspot. There's no football playing played. Uh, J.J. Watt said that he can't remember a time when he played a, played a game at any level without a crowd. Actually, reminisce about hearing his grandfather going nuts in the stands when he played youth football in front of a small crowd. But he did add that. But he said that the lack of fans on Sunday shouldn't really impact anyone's performance. As an athlete, if you can't get yourself ready and amped up to compete against another team and to compete at the highest level, then you really shouldn't be out there in the first place. The big thing is, big thing is, the Ravens expecting in their defense is more playing a major him playing a more playing a major role with with their rookie linebacker Patrick Queen who end up becoming a great player leading the team in tackles at middle linebacker and adding a sack in this game in this game is this game John Harbaugh said about his new rookie linebacker that he showed his explosive speed a couple times where he went and made some plays didn't panic at all. It felt like I felt like that was the best thing about it as a start, and he should only improve from here. I can agree there. This one, of course, the, they actually do have. There is a lot of weapons in this one because John Arbol says that that the Texans can ring up points, especially in the air, especially with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. They have four really good receivers who are all high-end receivers in the NFL. They have two excellent tight ends and two running backs who are excellent receivers. So they have a lot of weapons in a passing game to go with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. I believe that this is a team. This is probably something that they, that the, I believe that the Ravens are probably going to work on 
stuff in the running game, which I believe will be the hard card there in terms of running, of a running game. So the big thing will be the passing game, and that is going to be the key thing that's going to hurt. That could help, could possibly hinder them. Especially the big thing is, do I think the do I think the Texans have a chance in this game? I say is the big question is who's going to get the ball first, who's going to get second, and the big thing is is not only can the Ravens stop Sean Watson from passing, will the Ravens stop? Will will the Texans actually be able to stop Lamar Jackson from passing and controlling this? Controlling this, controlling this game, and I think this is probably the first game with JJ Watt in. I think this is the first time JJ Watt is going up against Lamar. I think he didn't play in the Houston game. I'm not sure in the Ravens Houston game. I think he was injured. I think he was out with an injury during that se- during the season at a time around that time. But I say this. This is my. I'm not saying this because I'm a Ravens fan, but I say this. Ravens are going to win over Texans. And I think it's going to be a least, I say it'll be one score game. I say a touchdown, but I could say a little over. All right, the Sunday night game is between the Patriots Seahawks rematch. The rematch between, the rematch between, which is the pre-match between if Super Bowl Forty Nine. This time around, and I think, unfortunately, they do not, I don't think, sadly, they have, unfortunately, I don't think they actually have, um, yeah, I don't think they actually have a actual coach. So, this is a big one. So, the big thing about this whole thing is this is a rematch between the Patriots and the Seahawks. Bill Palachuk actually was the head, replaced Pete Carroll as the head coach of the Patriots 20 years ago. Neither did they know that both of them would be seeing each other again as a actually, actually a long term scenario. Of course, we, we all know what happened with Carol. Carol went to USC, tipped that into a natural perils, and yet ends up getting caught in a cheating scandal with Reggie Bush, and they end up ruining history and shit. And ruin history. History. And it took a few years until, and a few years later, Pete Carroll goes back to being a head coach in football. With the Seahawks, and he has been with the Seahawks since 2010. 2010, and this is a team, and these are two teams actually met in the Super Bowl six, nearly six years ago. And of course, we all know what happened there. We all know what happened. So the big one is, well, who is gonna, who is gonna make the best decision out of this? Weaver. Who I think is gonna win this one? It is. Going to be an interesting thing. Who is how this is going to go? I say that is something that is going. It is. I say this is a. Oh. Jesus. I say this one is different because 
Not only will this game be in Seattle, but sadly for the first three home games for the Seahawks, there is no, there's going to be no 12 man there. So this is a big one. So this is going to be a big one. Sunday night, I say this one is a close one. I say Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. I say this Seahawks are going to win, but I think it's going to be under. I think it's going to be a field goal. I say the under, under Patriots going to cover it. I think they're going to find a way of covering it. And so that's where I think it's going to be. Patriots. Oh, I say Seahawks over Patriots, but it's going to be a close game. And for Monday night, we get the Saints go marching in. Oh, the Saints go marching into Vegas because take on the Raiders in a big game. In a big game. And this, unfortunately, unfortunately, El, the Vegas, Vegas is not going to have games on there. Is going to be empty, which is unfortunately. Unfortunately, there will be no fans in Vegas to watch this game in this new stadium. And this is a big one. This is the first game, home game in for the Raiders in Vegas. This is the first time. This is the past 25 seasons. They were playing in the rundown Oakland Coliseum. And unfortunately, they could not find a way to keep themselves, keep themselves, keep themselves in a new, get a new stadium in Oakland. Keep them in Oakland, and were sadly blocked from moving to LA instead of blocked from being in LA by the league and that asshole Dean Spanos. Oh, Dean Spanos instead. Mm. And so it's here. This is a big thing. It's a big thing here. It is that. So instead, we had the Raiders had to go into the desert. We actually now, fortunately, this is the first time the owner, Mark, Las Vegas Raiders owner, Mark Davis, has done for the. Has pulled off something that his father, Al Davis, sadly couldn't do. And that's getting the Raiders his own stadium. But he says, he says, said that until fans are allowed in next season, I'm not going to any games this year. Which is, Coach Coaching said, Mark Davis is the owner of his team and he's very passionate about our fan base. We were so excited to have him have our debut in front of Raiders fans here in Vegas. It's sadly disappointing. So, this is the first time that, it's actually the first time that Sean Payne and Gr Jay Gruden and John Gruden is going to be going up against each other on opposite sidelines. First time since John Gruden left Tampa Bay after the 2008 season. Gruden was also the Eagles offensive coordinator under coach Ray Rhodes when Sean Payne was hired to his first NFL job as Philadelphia's quarterback's coach in 1997. And Charmaine actually reminisced his old times back in Philly, saying his office was basically a little corner couch in his office, and I just had a cell phone. But it was a chance to learn, really. 
So these two will actually end up coaching or actually coaching rival NFC South teams when Payton got his first and only head coaching job with the New Orleans Saints in 2006. And these two have met six times, splitting game, splitting the record free and free. So this is a free, free game, free to free. Right now, this one is going to be a tiebreaker. Who gets that set? This is game seven for both these teams, for both these coaches. The big thing is the Raiders offensive line doing a great job protecting Car Derek Carr in this one. Despite losing their starting right tackle Trent Brown after one series and their backup layer in the first half on right tackle, their backup guard, Denzel Good, stepped in as the emergency tackle and fared well. Derek Carr was under pressure on only 10% of his dropbacks for the game, which was the best raid in week, in week one. For the Saints, they entered the game with a defensive run, which is, that has been among the NFL's best against the run in these past couple of seasons. In New Orleans, has now allowed a 100-yard rusher in 44 straight games, going back to win Samaji Perrine eclipsed that mark in November of 2017. This one will be a test for the the paid that John Payne actually expects his run defense to be tested by Vegas. With John Gruden. Okay. okay, I just realized that the video has stopped recording. So, hang on one second. So, okay, I just realized the recording is back up. Turns out that it's so now I know is this that the camera only does three hours of recording and cuts out. So, now we know. This is also the longest podcast on record so far. So, if you watch all this, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. So, so let's see here. Yeah, it says here that John... Peyton calls John Gruden one of those coaches who does a great job staying committed to the running game. It's something that's kind of followed John wherever he's been. I've worked with John and watched his preparation. Attention to detail and everything he does, and there's always going to be a presence physicality-wise running the football, John Payton added in his comments about about, his, about John Gruden and his commitment to the running game. The Bears running back, Josh Jacobs, ran for 93 yards and three touchdowns. And caught four passes for 46 yards in the opener against the Panthers. The big thing is, now, while the Saints are the first NFL team to have a road game in Las Vegas, Sean Payne said that the, because of this coronavirus pandemic, he doesn't even have concern himself with discussing guidelines for players in the casinos that virtually never close. Sean Payne said, noting that the teams are supposed to be in a hard, but in a quote-unquote Hard bubble while on road trips. I don't. I don't have to make any rules. League has done it. Fortunately for us, we'll be in a secure area. Period. So it's not like you can just stroll down the lobby and roll some dice for an hour. So that's a big thing. The big thing here for the the big thing is for Vegas is trying to get Tane Drew Brees in the passing game. Big thing is, those Raiders struggle to generate any sort of pass rush in their opener. 
getting only just one sack and four QB pressures against Carolina. Free agent defensive tackle Malik Collins was supposed to bolster the interior rush, but had little impact in this Raiders debut. Carolina also did a good job neutralizing Max Crosby off the edge. Let's see how the let's see how the Saints offensive line handles Max Crosby this time around. This is a big one for Monday night. I say, unfortunately for the Raiders, you're going up against a good opponent here in your debut in Vegas. I honestly say that you guys might are your homecoming, your uh, grand opening is not gonna look a little grand because the Saints gonna go marching in over oh, the Saints. They're gonna marching in. To Las Vegas and whoop your asses. All oh, the Saints are going to go marching in. So, Saints are winning this one. I'm sorry. It is. It's bad enough, but hey, you guys, it's a good. But you guys got first season in Vegas. Who knows? Maybe in the next couple of games, you might have fans come in the next couple of years. But just give up. Just have hope. All right. Okay, I'm tired. I'm done. It has been over three hours. My goodness. And it's 521 morning. Jesus Christ. So I'm about to go ahead and uh, head on out now. I'm probably going to go ahead. Do what I got to do to go to sleep to get this bad boy up for y'all. Alright guys, that's going to do it for the end of this one. This one is a little later than expected. Uh, my apologies. I had, I was busy Wednesday. I was going to try and record some Thursday. But I got up early in the morning. I was going to do it Friday morning. And then I slept in because I didn't have to work. And I didn't have much of an answer today. Went out like last night. To my own uh, accord. And uh my own accord and uh yeah so i do this around 1 30 in the morning now it's after now it's almost 5 30 i've been up four hours in total but this is free hours plus so once again thank you guys very much for watching hope you guys enjoy you guys weekend enjoy the football enjoy the basketball enjoy the hockey speaking of which Stanley cup finals is starts this saturday night Tampa Bay Lightning take on the Dallas Stars in a in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Stanley Cup final. It's gonna be an interesting series. This one is pretty much similar. Lightning pretty much are similar to like Virginia, who is practically who had an embarrassing week. Who last year had an embarrassing season, ended by getting swept by the Blue Columbus Blue Jackets. Who is a team that didn't never won a French never won a playoff series in their franchise's history? So yeah, it is so this one they stopped joking. They actually brought it back. Congratulations, Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final. Let's see if you guys can finish it and bring it home. I don't know much about hockey to give a prediction there. So I'm kinda going for a lightning here. So that's my opinion here. Alright, take care guys. I'm going ahead sign out. I'm probably going to get some sleep. Take care. I'll see you guys 
next video. And this one will be on time. Trust me. Episode 12 will be on time. Till then, take care. Peace.